Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, here we go. Delighted. Not only a top player, but the only guy I've had on who's got a bigger nose than me. Graham Shinney, how are you doing, mate? <laughs> I'm good, mate. I'm good. I've had plenty of them over my time, mate. Mate, that's why I brought up. I spoke to five guys today, and the first thing every single one of them said was give him a bit about his nose. I'm going to give you a chance to write a reply, all right? Mark Reynolds first. I mean, come on, man. No. Reynolds lost his barnet when he was 20. <laughs> Jason Brown mate which I could not believe but anyone that doesn't know Jason Brown I play him at Peterhead mate and he's, he's claiming that your nose is worse and wow I'm not having that I'm not having that somebody said that they were going to put you and him in, uh, in cages up at Inverness and, and treat it as a bird sanctuary <laughs> when I was at Inverness my early days John Dock used to call me Barry Manilow <laughs> <laughs> no bad. Uh, who else has given you a bit? Scott Kelleher, mate. Ah, oh, no way. Mate, you notice how all these boys are ugly bastards and they're giving you a bit? Oh, of mate, I'm not having it from him, man. I'm not having it from him. And the most important question the full interview, mate, what was heavier? Scott Kelleher's belly or Ross Totally's touch? <laughs> <laughs> Kelleher's belly by far. <laughs> uh, mate, last one. And, mate, I need to give you the line that he's took. I don't want to steal it. Ryan Christie. Wow. He says to me, Graham Shinney walked into a wall with a full erection once and broke his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went dog walking once in Aberdeen with, with a random guy. He, he wouldn't leave me alone. I uh, was walking down the beach in Aberdeen when he turned around me and said, oh, like, I broke my nose when I was, I was younger and all that. You'll know all about that. I was like, <laughs> I was like mate, mate, I've never broke my nose before. <laughs> Keller says you've had 10 operations to, to get it smaller <laughs> none of them have worked and I say to him you've had the same amount of operations to get your tits up the size there. he's had the same amount of bags of monster munch <laughs> brilliant right mate we're going to the career how, how, how ruthless are boys in football by the way oh brilliant I love it I love it mate you have to be that way you don't get away with it in football if you're not that way yeah is it always an with you with the boys at her Always, mate. Always. I must say to you, I think you're looking great, mate. Look at the cheekbones in that. <laughs> my, I think my quiff and my beard, I get away with it a little bit, but if I didn't have that, I'd be struggling. You're looking like a young uh, Dale McInnes, man. <laughs> I've had that a few times as well. 
He, um, that was another thing Ryan Christie said. He says, I've played with Graham Shinney under three different managers and he always manages to be the manager's son after about two weeks. Is that right? <laughs> Almost, I. I've been the captain at a couple, so I think I've been the captain at all of them, so I've had to have that sort of relationship with the managers anyway. But... Mate, Big Yogi, I phoned him today to ask about you. Oh my God, he loves you, doesn't he? Tremendous. Yogi's a legend. Absolute still, legend. Do you still keep in contact with the managers you've played under? Always. Always. Well, some of them, I've, I've lost contact a wee bit with Terry Butcher, but um, Yogi all the time and, and Dell at Aberdeen as well. Brilliant, mate. Right, you grew up and played football in Aberdeen. Was it just a boys club coming through? Uh, it was just Dice Boys Club, um, which is a big boys club in Aberdeen. It's, it's sort of the main one that you, you sort of want to be at. Um, I played there until I think it was under 15s. Um, and it was through that boys club that I managed to get picked up by Inverness. I think they were sort of watching players from Dice because that's what scouts used to do. Um, and then we had a, a trial game against Inverness at the time. Um, and from there, that's how I sort of signed for, for Inverness under-17s. But I felt like playing boys club there until I did and not having the pressures of, of sort of the professional clubs, um, just playing with my mates and, and enjoying it, uh, felt like it helped me a bit. And anyone doesn't know, your brother went to Rangers as a kid because I used to play against him when we were younger, mate. He was, uh, was a bad loser, your brother. I know you are as well. Did you used to uh, kick shit at each other when you were younger? Always, mate, always. Um, he always used to put me in goals, to be fair, until when I was younger, I always wanted to be a goalie. Um, and he always used to put me in goals and, and bar the shots in at me. But um, he was at Dice as well. He came through from Dice. There's a, there a lot of boys that have came through from Dice. Stuart Armstrong, um, Ross Tokley, Roy McBain. Um, there's been loads so it's a, a big boys club and um, yeah me and my brother sort of playing in the garden playing in the parks wherever we could it was it was good right mate I don't know if you'll answer this but I've heard that your Xbox Xbox name is Ferguson 6 <laughs> who's told you that that is that I've done a piss about mate I've done a piss about that's that's somebody from the from my Inverness days in the digs I know it but I don't know who would have told you that but um, it might have been it might not and so see when your brother signed for Rangers were you a bit were you a wee bit jealous that he was away over to Murray Park to go and play um, I, I used to I used to go down all the time and, and watch it uh, watch his football and I suppose he had a, he gave me that sort of inspiration to, to make me want to go and play it because when I was younger I never thought I would have I made it to where I am now Um I'd done my work experience at Quick Fit, Fitting Tires, um, which was horrendous. Um, so up until that age, I'd never, ever thought about playing football. It was never something that, that I thought was going to come my way. And it came so late um, that when it eventually did come, I, I was obviously buzzing. But um, when I used to go down and watch, obviously, him at, at Murray Park and, and to see the, the facilities and then go to Ibrox and, and watch the football there... Um, it sort of shown me what, what I could have had and, and probably pushed me on to, to want it even more. You worked in Cliff, is that where Scott Kelleher got all the tyres off his top? <laughs> I used to get abused in Quick Fit as well. The, the, the guys that I used to work with used to send me to the shop. They used to, there was like a, another tyre place further up. They used to send me up there and get a tyre. I would roll it all the way back down the road and they would say, oh, that's the wrong one, you need to go right back oh. up. So I'd be rolling it. I, I was a scuddy at, at Quick Fit. It was only a week, like, but it was horrendous, mate. <laughs> horrendous. So, 17, mate, Inverness picked you up. Were you absolutely delighted? 
Oh, it was buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Um, it was obviously sort of a big step. I always remember my first game, even at the youth, the youth level, my, my dad was sort of always onto me um, in my football career. But at that stage, he actually, I played my first game. I can't remember who it was for, uh, who it was against. Um, but I played really well in the game and, and I came off after it and I always remember him saying to me, son, I, I didn't think you were good enough. Um, if I'm being honest with you, I didn't, I didn't know if you could make the step up, but um, you've proved me wrong. Um, and from there, really just went from strength to strength. Did you think the same as your dad at that time? Did you think you were good enough? Um, I didn't really know what to think. It was something sort of so different to what I'd been used to. And when I, when I was younger, I used to fight for sort of regional selects, schoolboy selects. I got in none of them. I, I never made a select. I never made a sort of a boys club select. Um, so at that point, I thought, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to make the step up here. But as soon as I got involved in the training and, and sort of the games, I knew straight away that I, I could do it. Um, the players that I was playing with there were no different. Um, and I had a really good good year at the under-17s level, um, which which helped me again. And then at the end of that, moved up to the under nineteen. So, um, yeah, I, once I made that step up, I knew that was sort of what I wanted to do as the years went on. Any young kids watching, do not listen to your fucking old man because he's now sitting in a six-bedroom house in Derby. <laughs> uh, he, was, he, he used to... To be fair, he was always... My harshest Craig, but when I done well, he'd always tell me if I I'd done well. Even to this day, he'll always batter me after I've had a bad game. Uh, what about the dressing room? Who were the good? Because there was a lot of older guys there at the time, wasn't there? Who, who was good with you? Uh, it was a. I say it was a tough dressing room. It was. It was an old school dressing room. Um, you had your good mate Ross Tokley. Um, <laughs> you had Stuart Golubek, Roy McBain, Russell Duncan. Um, all those boys who were were really old school, so it was it was you hated going into the first team dressing room for any reason because they wouldn't they wouldn't slaughter you or they wouldn't. But if you done something wrong, they would sort of slaughter you. But um, they were great guys. But going into that first team, it sort of kept your feet on the ground a wee bit. You couldn't get ahead of yourselves, or these boys would would tear you down. Um, and yeah, big big talks used to take me into training. Once I sort of established myself in the first team a bit more. Um, uh, he used to take me in the training. He was, he was a real good guy. Um, all of them were. It was a good dressing room up there. No one could have any sort of ego at a club like Inverness. We were all knit together. It was all sort of as a one. Um, but yeah, it, it was an intimidating dressing room because of the the old school old school sort of nature that was there. Right, mate. The scariest guy in Scottish football and Richie Foran. How angry can Richie Foran get? He was he was mad. Um, he was an unbelievable captain. He he was no nonsense. Again, you would get away with nothing with him. He was he was the most loyal guy ever. He would fight your corner, um, even if you were in the wrong. He would he would fight your corner. Um, but in games and training, if you gave the ball away or that, or or you didn't hit him with a pass, he would absolutely terrorise you. Um, so yeah, he he was mad. He he was on the phone one day in the bus. Um, I don't know who he was on the phone to, but it went the wrong way, and his fish and chips from Ochterarder went flying down the bus. <laughs> he he had it honestly. His temper used to just go. Um, but for me as a young boy coming through, and and especially when I sort of became the captain, he was sort of 
he had done his knee, I think, and his shoulder, so he was sort of on the way out. And I sort of took over as captain. Um, he short, sort of showed me the ropes a wee bit, and um, he was a good role model for me. So at, my, at that time in my career, he, he was somebody that, that showed me the ropes and, and was really good. I knew boys had played him at Motherwell, and he said that he would actually fight players. Would that oh, be the same thing for this? Aye, if if he had to, he was he had that mentality. That's that's how he used to work. Um, if anyone sort of done him wrong, that then he he'd be up for it. Um, but no one that I witnessed really gave him that sort of that chance because nobody wanted to mess him. What about uh, Claude behind the stands? Yeah, <laughs> I knew I, I had a feeling where this one was going, but aye, that 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 day. And he, Claude, was a big guy as well. Um, but yeah, they basically had it out behind the stand. And after it, Richie said, shoot, put his hand out, shoot the guy's hand and said, that's how we deal with it like men. Big Claude just sat, big Claude just sat down for his lunch and he got ordered out to the car park. <laughs> what about socialising with the first team? Would you be out with the first team up in Inverness? Um, in that early stages with, with those sort of boys... There wasn't many that that I used to like socially. There wasn't many nights out that I used to do. I went on loan um, at one point to to Forest, um, and that was for basically like a almost a season. Um, and then as the year sort of went on, the pl- the changing room changed. The the older boys sort of Granny Monroe went to Ross County. Big Tokes, the same. Roy McBain went. So a lot of the players started to move away. Um, and then the, a lot of the boys from, from down south and <clears throat> in the sort of lower leagues in, in England started to come up. So the, the changing room changed a lot. And it wasn't until then that sort of I had established myself a wee bit in the team um, and then, then started going out with the lads. And it, it was a good dressing room. No one missed a night out. That's what I loved about it so much. Um, everyone was in that part of the, the country that was up in the sticks. It, it was us. Everyone was there, um, and if you had a night out, every single person was there. No one used to miss it, um, and used to have some some good laughs. Is that true that Forest Mechanics wanted you after your stint at Quickfoot? <laughs> That's good banter. That, isn't it? That's off the That's not bad. That I'll give you that one. That's not bad at all. Well, by the way, I have to ask you as well. Chris Ryan Christie said, "Ask him what colour his Fiat Five Hundred was." <laughs> oh my god! So I passed my. Well, my brother moved up um, and, and signed, so we lived together and, and he used to drive, so I had no interest in, in doing my driving lessons. Uh, he used to take me anywhere he was going, I was going. Um, so it wasn't until he left that I'd done my, my driving lessons. I must have been maybe 21, 22. Um, and when I passed my test, I didn't have a car, so my missus had a light blue Fiat 500, a little blue bullet. Um and I was just buzzing to drive, so I used to take it in the trip. I'm, I'm not bothered. I still have a golf now to this day, and I get battered by the boys at Derby. There's G wagons and Bentley Bentegas, and I've got a wee golf. I'm not really fussed. Love that. Um, but I used to take the Fiat 500 in. I remember Alan Gow came up, and I can't remember if he was just keeping his fitness up or if he was actually in on trial. And he said to me at training, "Oh, you live? I, I'm upstairs with my cousin or something." It's up by your house. Will you take me home? And I was like, oh, no, I've got this Fiat 500. It's light blue. And he's asked me for a lift home. I says, I can take you home, but I've got my Mrs. Motor. 
he's like, aye, it's fine. So me and him, after training, jumping in the, the wee Fiat 500 off up the road. Oh, I used to get battered for it. But Christy says to me, you used to, you, did you used to race boys in car parks? Uh, Liam Polworth always used to barter me for it. And I used to say, you've only got a wee white Corsa. The blue bullet will take you out. So I went behind the car park and I ran the missus didn't know this, but I, I rattled the car so much. It was revving so bad. And I was at the I was at the point where I was like, I'm going through the stadium if I have to, to win this race. And uh, I think he sort of put the brakes on quicker than I did. And I went shooting off. Oh, I was buzzing. Mate, what was going on at Inverness, man? I could just imagine Richie Foran and Leonard and somebody in news having races in the car park. <laughs> honestly, it was brilliant. It was, it was unbelievable times. Like I said, no one... It was all, we were in it together. There was a wee porter cabin that was our gym. There was no heat and no electricity in it. It was freezing. Um, the club was what it was and all the boys just stuck together and, and enjoyed it as much as we can. Um, and the dressing room that we had was, was brilliant. So you just had that loan with that Forest Mechanic because we've had a lot of boys that have came on here, got to the similar level that you're at. And they say that when they went on loan to a lower level, they thought, I don't want to ever come back here. I need to, to really work hard. And if I want to be a top player, I need to put the work in. Is that similar with you? Um, well, the move, because Inverness got relegated the season before that, um, the the youth team got scrapped for financial reasons. Um, so I was away. I, can't, I think it was in Blackpool or something. Don't ask me why, but I think it was my mum my and dad in Blackpool or something. And every day I was phoning Charlie Christie, who's the head of, of the youth. And I was saying, like, what's going on? What's going on? Um, and eventually he said, oh, the youth team's been scrapped. But the, the manager wants to keep, it was Terry Butcher now, the manager wants to keep you on and just promote you right up to the first team. So obviously I was, I was delighted with that. It was, it was everything that I wanted. Um, but in, at that time, I wasn't really playing first team games. I should have still been in the 19s. Um, I think I made my debut that, that year. I only played maybe one or two games, but it came to January and, and I thought, like, I'm not playing youth games, I'm not playing first team games, I'm just training. So I need to go on loan. Um, so it was either Devon Vale or Forest Mechanics. And Forest Mechanics was closer to Inverness. So, and there was a few boys that played there that could take me back and forth from training. So I thought, this is, this is the one for me. I'll just go and play football, experience sort of playing with men, competitive football um, and it was brilliant I won the Highland League Cup there um, was part of a defence that didn't concede a goal in that tournament um, and yeah learned, learned so much from it the, the boys were great lads there as well took me in no problem I was still young um, and yeah it was, it was it was so beneficial for me when I went back after that to, to Inverness I felt like I could, could really kick on from there and then the fun begins mate Terry Butcher How Terry Butcher <laughs> See, see when you, did you have to go and ask Terry Butcher to go on, or did he come and tell you? Um, I can't actually remember how it came about. I think it was more um, like the youth coaches, Scott Kelliker and Charlie Christie. I think it was more sort of them that, that was sort of in charge of it. Um, and obviously I found out it was Devonville or, or Forrest, but I, can't, I don't think Terry Butcher was ever really that involved with it. So what's your first memories on then? What's your first memories of just you and Terry Butcher? My first memories with Terry Butcher, I was a young lad and I'm, I'm quite, I was quite a shy guy when I was younger um, and he was obviously came in, he was such a big presence and I remember I had, it was a first team game and I was obviously in early as a young boy getting everything ready and I had earphones in 
and I had one in and one hanging out and he absolutely tore me apart. He tore me apart. Um, so obviously after that, I thought, oh no, what is this? This guy's going to hate me. What did he say to you? Can you remember what he said to you? Um, how are you going to hear what I'm saying to you when you've got that uh, headset in and all that? Like, how rude does that take that out? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> at the time I was, took it out, put it in my pocket and I was like, so sorry, sorry. Um, and after he walked out, you know, that way I was just sitting in my seat like, that's it, I'm done. Like, yeah. that's it's bad you hang that in it, one incident again. That's me done already, but, and then in the end, um, he was one of the, the, I've had good relationships with all my managers in sort of different ways, but um, Butcher will always hold that sort of special place in terms of he gave me my debut. Um, he, he gave me a lot of games as a young boy. Even when I, I went through my illness, I got Crohn's disease, I went through that. He visited me almost every day in hospital um, saying, oh, as soon as you're ready to come back, there's a place here, like you'll get back in the team, like don't ever worry. Um, so I think in, in that sort of aspect, he, he was different class and he'll always hold that sort of special sort of place in my heart. I've heard, I've heard he's a top man that way, he proper looks after his players that way. Uh, Nick Gross used to ask you about the psychologist. <laughs> I think somebody spoke about it before today, didn't he? James McPake, why not? James McPake told a few stories. Uh, he was so he used to message me every every game saying like he used to call me G. So he'd say like morning G, the key to this game is belief. Be full of, of, of belief. Enjoy. And just that and that would be it. I'd wake up in the morning, that would be my first text. Honestly, he was mad. He used to do some mad stuff. He used to he used to have like broccoli and say like, oh, you have to wear your watch on the other wrist and it does things to your brains and all that. Some some people, big Claude Nyakba, the one you're talking about with Richie, he came in for five minutes and he was like, nah, I'm, this is not for me. And he just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people enjoyed it. Some people didn't. But um, he tried to get us, he, his aim was to try and get us to feel comfortable in the top six because we were a small club happy to sort of survive um, and he wanted to sort of change the mindset of trying to get us to be a, a top six club and feel comfortable with um, and some of the things he done was good and, and some of the things were, were weird What about Butcher's team talks? Could they be, could they be quite funny? We used to, well we went through a, a phase of the boys had to do it so like every, every person took a team talk No way Aye. and then he had ones that he would uh, what sort of what animal would you be or I got abused one time because the boys used to think too much didn't they? they used to think right what's he going to be buzzing off <laughs> so he asked it oh what what if you could be a character from a film or something what would you be and and I was like please don't pick me please don't pick me <laughs> he used to call me Shimbone so he's like Shimbone what about you and I was like um I'd probably be uh, Dodger from uh, Oliver Twist because I'm a, a cheeky wee chappy like that and as soon as I said to me, I thought, oh, no, what have I done? What have I done? And for, honestly, months and months, the boys tortured me. Absolutely tortured me, mate. It was hell. It was hell. What did, what did the Victor say to your answer? Did he like it? Oh, oh, I loved it. He loved that sort of stuff. Like, he would, he, that's what he sort of wanted you to do. He asked me what, uh, what animal would I be, and I said the elephant, because the, the obvious reasons. And he just started laughing. Everyone started laughing. What was the obvious reasons? A big cock? My trunk. 
All right, so I'm a sloggies on it that time. But <laughs> well, uh, can you remember any other funny answers? Any other boys' game? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I remember one team talking done, or maybe it was after the game. Nick Ross, actually, you you you're saying about Nick Ross. Nick Ross was the wee guy that done nothing wrong. He was honestly he would never step a foot out of line. Good player, um, Nick Ross. Aye, very good. But he used to. He came in one time, and I I don't know what Nick had done. I don't know. I don't know why he sort of went for him. But he was like, "You need you need a man up. Like you're too you're too slight. You're too prim and proper. Like I can imagine you going home having all your socks and your boxers laid out for the next day. He's like, go and put a brick through McDonald's window. Go and get yourself in this. Go and get yourself in the jail and that. Come, give us a bit. Get, and Nick Ross was just sitting there like. What was going on? <laughs> oh, I mean, anyone that knows knows about Nick Ross, that's tremendous, isn't it? Uh, oh, it was brilliant, mate. And you couldn't you couldn't laugh you, at the time because he used to go off his head. He would he would literally go to the point where he didn't know what he was saying, yeah. um, and you couldn't do anything. You just had to sort of let him be. And then after he went out the door, he went he he had one. He was going mental, and then he went to storm out the door, and he slammed the door. And it was one of those slow shutting doors, so he slammed it, and then it just slowly closed. <laughs> but uh, he was, he was, oh, he was mad. He was, uh, but then he would come in on a Monday and apologise all the time, and be like, "Would oh. you apologise, eh?" All the time, all the time, mate. Um, he would say like, "Oh, obviously went went off my head," but when I've looked back, because some of the games, some of the games you'd do all right. One of the games we had at Celtic Park, I think we got beat one 0 but we we should have got a draw. We played well in the game. But I think the fans were obviously singing like Diego Maradona and that and winding him up. Yeah. So he came in after the game and oh, he went. He, I think he ripped one of the doors off and like, you no, know, the South Park dressing rooms. You've got the everyone's got their own sort of wardrobe okay. sort of thing. Yeah. He, he ripped one of them doors off and threw it across the room. He was honestly oh. and and we had done well in the game. He would come in on Monday and say, "I've watched the game back. Like I apologise. Like there was a lot of positives to take from the game and all that." But yeah, I think I'm the reserve player at, at, at that time and we got changed in the reserve, in the away dressing room and one Monday morning one of the lockers had been I remember that. Uh, he was he ripped it off, he was like we had silver hampers, he would punch them like five or six times and we'd done alright in the game, so all the lads are thinking like we've actually done alright here, like what's going on? But that's what you felt coming off the game. If if you hadn't won, you didn't know what way it was gonna go. Because he would start off slow. And he would start. You, he was always. He was also like winding himself up in his head, and he would just go and go and go, and then you'd get to a point where he's gone, and he would just go mental. <laughs> would, uh, would anyone ever answer him back? Nah, nah, never. I remember Johnny Hayes had one. He he threw his pen down on the ground, and it bounced up, bashed off the roof, burst open, and it hit Johnny in the head. And Johnny had ink running down his face, and he didn't even. He couldn't even wipe it because he knew if Butcher seen him wiping it, he would go mental. So Johnny's just got ink dripping down his face. Oh, mad, eh? That was mad. Mate, try not to laugh at that as well. Yeah, he had one where he, he was going mental at the centre-half, saying, like, any chance you're putting in a tackle? And he went to do a tackle, slipped on his arm, <laughs> flat out on his and nobody could laugh. And then he came in on the Monday and had a meeting, and he was like, who wanted to laugh? And everyone just burst out laughing. Oh, that's amazing, man. Was it Morris Malpass as his assistant? I Mo was this well. He had a he had a bit of a run in with Richie. Um, he was a bit different. Mo, they were both old school, very old school. Yeah. And uh, 
I think Richie had like shouted something off the pitch to him during the game, shut up or something. I don't know what it was. I think it would have been a bit worse than shut up, but um and then in the dressing room Mo was saying to him, like, don't ever do that to me. I'll take you in the boot room and Barty and that. Richie's like, Nah, nah, you won't. You won't. And Mo's like, I will, I will and Richie's like, Nah, you won't, you won't. And Mo's like, I'll take you out Monday morning and I'll run the bollocks off you. And Richie's like, Ah, you might do that. You won't bar me. You will not bar me. And I was like, Wow. He's the only he's the only man that could have could have spoke back to either one of them. What, so see where he spoke back to Butcher though, and Butcher kind of be alright. He, he could. I can't remember any of that he did, but he was the man that he he would have. He would have if he didn't feel like it was right. He would have. He would have stood up for it. Like, man, I've told. I tell this story every time somebody mentions Richie's story. Uh, Richie Ford. I done the B license for me. with fourteen year old kids, and he was slaughtering them. Man, it was like nice. wow. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's what I'm saying. When I came through as a young boy, and like. You're always nervous when you go up with the first team, and if you gave, if you didn't find his feet, he would go mad at you. But then on the flip side of that, it gets you ready for first team football. So it was, yeah. it was good on the flip side. He's a top man, mate. Is he off the pitch? He off the training, off the B license now. He was top. I was his partner. So he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, right, mate. Just on the football, what uh, what position? So, so see when you came through, always left back. Now, when I grew up, so when I signed first Grimness in the seventeens, I was a centre mid. And then at the end of that season, the under-19s, the, the left-back, it was a young lad from Aberdeen, I think. He got thrown out. He was in the digs. And I think he threw the dinner in the digs used to be horrendous. It was like uh, microwave food. Mm. So I think he, instead of putting it in the bin, he took it up to his room and launched it out the window. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. <laughs> and I think, it was like, I think it was like lasagna or something. The boys told me at the time. And it landed on the next-door neighbor's windscreen of his car. And he loved his car. He used to clean his car like every day. So he came to the door and he came to the door and went mental. Um, and I think the guy was already sort of going to get released. So he got released. There was like five games to go the 19th season. So they took me up and they played me at left back. And then from the, then on, I played left back for Inverness. So that's sort of how I, I changed. Mate, I know I was a centre midfielder as well, though. But see, getting told you're going to go and play fullback, were you know, devastated. I hated it because I'd played centre mid all the time and, and I loved it. I could run about and I scored a few goals for the 17s. I could get involved and then they threw me at left back. And to be fair, at the time I was buzzing because I went full time for the last sort of month or two months of the season at 19. So I was getting a look at full time football yeah. and I was staying in the digs and, and it was I was buzzing. I was just buzzing to be there. Um, but yeah, I would rather have, have stayed and played centre mid. But as I, as I went on, I grew to sort of love the position and um, it took me through the first team and ended up sort of playing my games there. Yeah, how, uh, how much pressure for a back fourth when Terry Butcher's your, your manager? Oh, the, was, it, was, it, was it usually, because he with the canyon, mate, it was always the strikers that would get it because he played that position. Was it similar with the defenders? All the time. Yeah. All the time. He, he's the man, he's the reason why every game I wear studs. I cannot wear moulds because... If I ever wore moulds with him and I slipped, he would torture me. He would an absolute. He, he used to he used to cane me at the back post. I think I played Dunfermline one time. He was Andy Barman or something. Scored a header at the back post above me, and he, he crucified me, mate. He absolutely tortured me. And I was like, I'm like five foot eight. Like what? What do you expect from me? He's obviously six foot five or something. But I always I always remember him at Celtic Park. I played my. 
I had a debut before, but this was sort of my big debut. It was at Celtic Park. It was in the cup. It was in the the League Cup, so it wasn't as important. Um, he played a five at the back, so I was sort of a wing back, and David Proctor was the right wing back. Um, and by half time, we're four nil down. Samras Samras scored two off the right off the. So he was playing on the left on David Proctor's side. Um, so he had scored two in the game. So we came in at half time. He was going mental, and he said to David Proctor, "If he comes inside one more time and scores, you're off. Like I'm not having it anymore." A minute into the second half, Samras inside, whippy, hat trick, mate, the board goes straight up, off you come, Proctor, <laughs> off, mate. I was like, this guy's ruthless, man. <laughs> oh, six nil. Did he torture him after the game, huh? Nah, he got beat 6-0. Wow. Uh, right, mate, uh, your brother joined in 2011. How was that for you? Was it a bit strange? Well, it was me that sort of got the wheels in motion with it, because... He had, his agent at the time, he obviously had left Rangers, which was the best thing for him. He had a lot of injuries. Um, so the best thing was to, to get away from there and try and play football. Um, he play, he actually played in a trial game at Inverness. There was an 11-a-side, two teams, loads of players. Um, and he actually played in it, which, looking back on it, was mad. Um, <clears throat> but after that, his agent was like, oh, Inverness don't want you. Like, we've been they've told us that, that they don't want you you're going to Falkirk wow. so he was like I mean I don't mind going to Falkirk but so he, he phoned me and I, I says to him I don't know I've not really heard anything um, so then I asked the manager at the time it was Butcher and I said like oh I'm just nervous as anything again oh, I'm just just like, wait did you chop his door did you go and chop his office door I, I had to go and chop his door <laughs> Um, which had about 15 holes in it. Um, <laughs> but I had to go and trap his door. Honestly. My hand was shaking. Not it. So I went in, I said, oh, it's just about my brother. Um, he doesn't sort of know what's what's going on. He sort of wants to come here, but he's been his agent's telling him that you don't want him. And he's like, no, 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 we want him. Like, I want to sign him. I don't know why he's, he's saying that. So I phoned my brother and said, look, they're they're desperate to have you. Like, I don't know what your agent's talking about, but the one you hear. So then after that, he obviously, Andrew wanted to come to Inverness. Um, everyone sort of came from there. He, he ended up signing. Um, we moved in together. So which was, because he moved away at sort of 15, we're close growing up. And then we obviously spent a lot of time apart. Um, so when we moved in together, it was it was quality. It was good to sort of be back together. Um, playing in the same team was was quality. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a good laugh, and and the two years that we had was was good. Just shows you my agent, eh? I uh, well, I think I think he had done a few deals to Falkirk before, and, and he sort of, I don't know, maybe maybe owed them one. Um, I don't know, but Terrible. obviously, I I was desperate to have him here with me as well. Um, so yeah, I was I was buzzing when he he came up and signed. It was it was quality, and and we had that two years living together. It was it was different class. Never struck me as your brother. Never struck me as a Terry Butcher type player, but he was he was absolutely flying there, mate, wasn't he? Good player. Yeah, uh, well. uh, he he loved it. But Butcher, Andrew used to get a bit of a hard time because he was the he became the main man for Inverness, and he expected it was the same as John Hayes. He expected so much of these boys because these were the boys that used to win you games. Um, and I remember <laughs> I remember we played the game at Stenhouse Muir away. 
One of those cup games, it was on the AstroTurf, it was horrendous. And Andrew, <laughs> Andrew had got these new night boots, they were white and green. They were more green than white. And obviously that didn't sit well with Butcher already. <laughs> so we played the first half, I think we were getting beat 1-0. And he absolutely tortured Andy and he said, Fucking green boots, you're better off with Dr. Martins. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> was just sitting there like, I didn't know what to say. Um, he's going to be like, your team at Rangers, mate, nobody says a word to you, and now he's getting fucking slaughtered. Tortured, mate, and he used to get it all the time, but Butcher was that way. He was demanding of that them sort of players because he knew what they could do, but um, on the flip side of that, he would he'd be credit them when they done well, so it was it was the best of both. What was it like playing against your brothers? Aberdeen v Hibs 2017 Scottish Cup. Was that strange? Did you did you kick him? Uh, I think I did once actually, but he thought he was playing in the in the build up to it. He was in training that he was like, oh, I'm in the team and that like be good. And then I obviously thought I was going to be playing, so we we're both buzzing. And then on the day of it, he messaged me saying, oh, I'm, "I've been bombed, like fuming and that." He was he was gutted, um, but then when he came on. Yeah, it was the, there wasn't much between us. I think I tackled him once or something, maybe, but I can't remember if we were winning at the time or if we scored when he was on. Um, but from from both of us to sort of come from where we were in, in Aberdeen, playing in the garden and all that, to then playing in the semi final at Hamden, when you sort of take a step back and look at it for the family and everyone involved, it was it was so good. Amazing. Last last bit I need to ask you, Inverness in the Butcher era, as <clears throat> a guy. Last Adam Rooney about him as well. One of the funniest guys I've played with, mate, Lee Cox. Oh, mad. Him and Johnny Hayes were mad. The two of them. I think they got barred from every pub and nightclub <laughs> in Inverness. They'd be naked in the toilets. They'd be... Oh, they were mad, mate. We Johnny, we, we Johnny at Inverness, I swear his schedule was like, drink from Sunday to Thursday, train on, train on Friday, play on Saturday, and then drink again. Mate, it was, he was still be the best player for me, right? He'd still be the best player. Time. And he played every week because Butcher knew what he could do. And Johnny was a player that he could do nothing for 60 minutes and then run down the line, whip a ball in and score. And yeah. Butcher was buzzing. So um, did Butcher not mind that? Did Butcher not mind that Johnny would go out Sunday and Thursday night? I, he, he, I don't know if he knew... Um, I don't think he'd have been too happy, but I think if he if he was doing the job on the pitch, I don't think Butcher was bothered. But yeah. Butcher was old school, so Butcher, when he was when he was a player, he would probably go to the pubs after training. That was his sort of era. Um, so as long as you were doing it on the pitch, I don't think he would really care. Yeah, were you, were you devastated to see Butcher go then? Aye, I was at the time. We were flat. We were doing well. We we're flying. Um, I loved Butcher, I loved his style, I loved sort of his no-nonsense. I know a lot of people sort of didn't, didn't like when he went mad after games. And I didn't mind it, I quite liked it. It's, he, he was so demanding of you, it kept you on your toes. Um, and then when we also heard that he was he was going to be going, it was it was he loved the Highlands as well. So it was like, I know Hibs are a massive club and it was a, a yeah. good move for him, but he had it. He had it good at Inverness. He had a, a good lifestyle, um, a good team. He had built a good team. Um, so at the time, it was like, like gutted that he's going. But and then Big Yogi came in and. and Wait, did Tony just go before? Did Butcher bring you on the dressing room and tell you he was away? Um, well, it went on for a few. We actually played Hibs when it was going on. Um, so I can't. 
I don't think he was in for the week building up to it, and then Mo took the team. Um, and I think we won 2-0, or we won the game. We played well that, that day. Um, and Mo sort of said after the game, like, this is it, like, the manager's agreed to go to Hibs. I've agreed my stuff. Um, it was quite emotional, actually. It was it was because they had been there for so long. Um, the group had grown. Boys so, in tears. Some few boys in tears. Well, Big Mo was sort of doing his speech after the game, and and he was sort of welling up a bit. And I don't think so much the boys, but it was it was so together. The dressing room was so together. It was like you were losing sort of a bit of the team, and it was it was it was gutting at the time, but. Um, we obviously didn't know who was coming in, but as soon as Yogi came in, it, it all sort of the excitement ramped up again. But it was it was good to see them go. Yeah. If you think Terry Butcher's a character, John Hughes, man, what a guy! Eh? I love him. Well, when, when Yogi came in, when I was a young boy at Inverness, when the youth team got scrapped, I was basically a cleaner for a year. I used to have there was like five boys, and we had to do all. I had to do the kit. I had to wash the kit, dry the kit put it back out, clean the dressing rooms, clean the gaffer's room. I had to, The five of us had to do everything. Um, and at the time, um, Hibs, Inverness played Hibs. I think it was maybe before that, actually. It was maybe when I was in the 19s. But Inverness played Hibs in a midweek. It was at night. Um, and Inverness won 3-0. They battered them, battered Hibs. And then after the game, I went in to clean the away dressing room. So we had put like sandwiches and soup and that in the dressing room for the, the lads after the game, the, the Hibs boys. Mate, I went in to clean the dressing room. I swear there was sannies on the roof. The soup was on the roof, the walls, the carpet. Honestly, there was tuna sannies on the walls, in the toilets. He must have just either flipped the table or was just throwing the, the, the trays about. So after that, and then I, I seen he was coming in, I was thinking, this guy's mad. Like, this guy's going to be mad. But then when he did eventually come in, he sort of said to the boys, like, I've, I've done that. I've, I've been that manager. I don't want to be that manager anymore. Like, it didn't it didn't work, basically. It didn't have any sort of effect. And he was the opposite in Vanessa. He was calm. Some Sometimes after games, he wouldn't even do the team talk because he would say, emotions are high, like, we'll, we'll deal with it on Monday. So he was he was a bit of the opposite. Yeah. See that? See, just on that, <coughs> sorry to go off track, you, you and five other guys doing the job. Do you think that's stood you in good stead throughout your career? Do you think that's helped De- you? Definitely, mate. Definitely. It's like Scotty Kell. He used to clean the, the minibuses and find about 100 Monster Munch bags in the <laughs> in the minibus, mate. Because he would just eat them on the way back from training. <laughs> I but, thought you were going to say you had to clean his pants. <laughs> I'd be there all day. <laughs> but no, the, the, the jobs there were... There was days that I'd be in there till me and Rick, Nick Ross were the ones that done the the kit. So there was there was days you would you would put it in the wash and then you'd put it in the dryer and you'd have to wait until it. There was days we used to fall, turn the lights off in the the laundry room and just sleep until it would be ready because we're oh. we're knackered. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things. You were at a club like Inverness, everyone had to to pull together and and do these sort of things. So it was. It was what was needed, and you knew sort of once you made that jump to the first team, there'd be a new set of boys that would come come in and do them jobs. So you were sort of past that stage. So yeah, yeah it was good. It was all right. Great grounding, mate. Uh, just on Yogi's mate, uh, Yogi. Sorry, uh, what are some of your funniest memories of? <laughs> Yogi was class. Yogi, oh, he was honestly he was class. He came in one day, um, 
and because I was the sort of not the Richie was the, the club captain, but I was sort of the playing captain, so I used to speak to him a lot. Um, and he came in. They, they used to call me Shimbone at Inverness. Teddy Butcher started it. I don't know why, but that was my name at Inverness. He came in one day and he said, Shimbone, he had a lisp and I, I didn't know where it came from. So he had Thimbone. And I was thinking, what's going on here? Like, and he started chatting away and he was like, I went out for my lunch yesterday and I bought a baguette. And he said, I took a bite into it. And when I took it away, my two front teeth were stuck in the baguette. <laughs> he had no front teeth, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what Yogi's like oh man brilliant oh he was, he was he was honestly he was unbelievable he was so good but his coaching is, is when he was on the training pitch he was serious but off the pitch he was he was class man what um, how did that go for being like an old school manager with Terry Butcher I imagine training was quite basic to then Yogi was it just total possession like did that help you as well as a player bring you on Yogi's totally. coach Mate, Terry Butcher used to have us doing like um, you'd be in two lines and you would just have to barge into each other like off each other and I was I'm like 60 kilograms I was get I was up against big Tokes <laughs> Tokes was putting me down and that I'm 17 I was like what's going on here he used to have like used to have drills he would put a box at each side maybe like 60 yards apart and you would literally just switch it switch it back switch it well you're just you're just booting the ball for 60 yards <laughs> launching it mate it was some of his some of his drills that that's the way he played and that's that's what he liked and it was he used to go mental at me when I was at left back if I passed it inside and not down the channel if if I passed it inside and played a ledge ball in, in number ten he would slaughter me see if I got it out my feet flashed it down the line that went out for a goal kick he would buzz off me I'm like what is going on here I, I don't know what I do here. it just shows you the difference so. But and then Yogi, both I, there's no one way of playing, is it? And then Yogi came in, and Yogi was the complete opposite. Boxes every day, possessions every day. Yogi's the best footballing coach I've ever had. Really? His, his coaching, mate. I, I, I don't know how he's not in a job. Like it's it's so it's frustrating because when I've I'm I still chat to him now, and I think like jobs come about Dundee United's all these jobs. I'm thinking like you're made for it. Like yeah. the, people don't understand is is. Like his his philosophies, he lives and breathes football. He was in Inverness without his family, so he, his whole thing was just football, football, football. But I always remember him. We played a pre-season game against Birmingham. My brother went to Birmingham, so I think there was some sort of game arranged, right? And we played really well in the game. We we popped it. Even my brother said all their players were saying how good like Inverness were. We got beat three one, like, but we played so well in the game. And then Yogi came after it, and he said like. Shimbone, what what chance have I got here? And I was like, "What do you mean? Like, we've done well. Like, we played well. Like, it's, it's stand us in good stead going into the the season." He's like, "Aye, I know that, but the chairman's just came to me saying you can't play that style of football in Scotland and get away with it. Like, we'll get beat." Mm-hmm. And I was like to him at the time, "I said, well, <laughs> it's hard for me as a player to sort of it's it's you and the chairman, but I says the style of football that you want to play." is the style of football that all of us want you to, to keep playing. That's the way we want to play. Um, you need to keep doing it. And to be fair, he, he stuck with it. The boys all bought into it. And what he done with that team, the way we, we used to play, was 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 unbelievable, mate. Yeah. But I, mean, I, mean, I was at Dundee when we played against Shane. I remember saying after the game, I think you were the best team. I think it was like the 10th game of the season, maybe 8th. And I remember saying after you were the best football team that we'd played. Do you think that's why yeah. you've not got a club then? See if you're Inverness chairman saying that. Do you think there's other chairmen that then think that as well? 
Probably. Pro- you're probably right. Um, but on the flip side of that, from what he'd done with that Inverness team, because to be fair, that Inverness team was mainly players that Butcher had sort of taken up from the lower leagues in England and played his way. But Yogi took that team on and moulded it into how he wanted to play it. Yeah. Um, so if you're looking at it in that aspect, what he'd done with that team at Inverness, with the, the facilities he had, everything that he had at Inverness, it was a small club, there's not a lot of money. He was fighting for everything he, he could get. He was trying to get new sort of training gear and new goals and that he couldn't get it. Um, so looking at, at that point of view, what he'd done with that team was, it'll never happen again. That was, was a Yogi, what's, a, what's a Yogi team taught like, Shane? Um, it was more tactical than than motivational. Yeah. He 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 knew what he wanted from the boys. He used to say to everyone, "If you're not, if you're not ready for it, like if you if you're overweight, if you're unfit, you'll get left behind. Like you won't fit in here. You need to every day be at it, on top of it." Um, and his 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 team talks were more how we wanted to play, who we were playing against, how you would get into the pockets and get the, the men in the pockets, get them the ball, get them turning. It was all that sort of stuff that he used to do. And it was, it, honestly, it was, it was so good. It was, it was enjoyable. What about Latte? How was Latte? <laughs> oh, wee Russ was mad. He just used, to, I think he came to Inverness, played golf, smoked fags, and <laughs> went I don't know what the other one is. I know what the third one is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had plenty, plenty of them all <laughs> would, you, would you join in the training laughing ah, he was a joke he was oh mate he was unbelievable um, he used not all of it he used to do the boxes he used to join in with the boxes and he never gave it away he was he was unreal um, he used to help the front players more than sort of taking training as such Yogi done a lot of the training because that's how he was he was a coach he's seen himself as, as a coach uh, whereas some managers that I've had don't take much of the training, the coaches do more of it, and then they do the team talks and whatever else. But Yogi was was everything. He, he used to do sort of everything. But Russ was good. Um, he was so chilled. He used to he used to love golf. He used to play eighteen holes, come in have his lunch, and go and play another eighteen holes after it. Um, and then he used to play he used to play away games in Dundee United and that, and you'd be sitting on the bus waiting to go and. Uh, uh, Russ would be like round the corner and you just see him like just puffing away. And you and you'd be waiting for him. You'd be waiting for him to go. And you just like chilled out, didn't have a care in the world. It was a good dressing room. The yeah. the staff were good. Scott Kell's a, a great laugh. Yeah, McKellar's a man, isn't he? Oh, honestly. I, well, I've, my my wife now and her family are family friends with Kell and his his sort of family. Um, so we're we're still really really close, um, but oh, he's he's. I've had him since seventeens to nineteens to first team. Um, he texted me before actually this, uh, saying that he was telling you that he was slaughtering me and that. <laughs> and fair play, Yogi mate. He brought him up for the youth team, didn't he? He's seen someone in Kells. Uh, Yo- well, Yogi used to tactically and all that speak to Kell a lot about it because Kells are an unreal coach as well. Yeah, he's brilliant. And I I always used to say. It. <laughs> I don't know if he's made out to be a manager as such, but I always told him, like, you need to push for the job, the manager's job at Inverness. Like, you can do it. You're coaching. When I had him at the 19s, it was Alec Cleland and, and Scotty Kell, and they were brilliant. Alec Cleland was a great coach as well when I was young. Was Alec Cleland? Aye, he was so good. 
he was so just not not even so much like tactically or just as a guy as a coach in a youth team molding you into sort of getting you ready for a, a first team um i don't know i just i just loved playing under him and kel as i went through um and every time i see him when i used to play st johnson i used to chat to him all the time he was a, he was a great guy um so yeah to be fair the coaches that i've had through my, my career have been great so it's been yeah. been easier Right, mate, I need to ask you, you got two cup finals under Yogi, uh, one being the League Cup final with Aberdeen. We've only had for Aberdeen players that played on that day. Uh, what was it like being on the losing side? It was the, it was the worst game of football. Yeah. Apart from my, my Scotland debut against Kazakhstan, it was the worst game of football <laughs> I've ever played, mate. Nobody wanted to win. It was like both teams were sort of defending and not wanting to, to sort of go all out to win. Yeah. So it was the most boring game of football you'll ever see. Um, would you would hate that. Would you not hate that? He was a player. I think he had just came in, so his first six months, he didn't want to change too much. He was like, he's been doing well. I'm not going to tamper with it too much. Once I get a pre-season, then we'll work on everything that I want to do. But the end of the season, I don't have enough time to change it that much. So I'm going to stick with it as much as I can, and then we'll take it next season. Um, so yeah, from what I remember of the game, it was just it was boring. That's the best you can describe it. It's just boring. Are you going to take a penalty? I was. I um, I always used to want to take the first penalty as a captain. I wanted to take the first penalty. I done it. It's weird how it works because in the semi final we beat Hearts on pens. I missed the first one, um, and then the year after in the Scottish Cup we played Hearts, or was it? Or we, no, the year before I missed and we, no, the, the first year, sorry, I scored right. and we went out, we got put out. And then the next year, the one, the cup final you're talking about, I missed the first pen against Hearts in the semi and we went through. So it was like, so it was, I always wanted to take the first pen. And then during the, the extra time, I think it was Cammy Smith or something, absolutely wiped me out, took me out. My, I think it was my ankle or something. And I was like, I'm not in a position where I feel comfortable taking a pen. Um, so I let sort of the other boys, the, all the other boys were like, yeah, I want to take one, I want to take one. So I was like, look, I'm struggling a wee bit. I'll let these boys do it. If it goes on to six, seven, I'll take one. And then looking back on it now, I should have taken them all. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you play for a club at Inverness, do you think that's your, your chance of winning a cup gone? Um, yeah, at that stage... Yogi hadn't sort of put his spin on the team, so we didn't know what was coming. Coming, I yeah. Um, and at that point, at that the way the game went, it was so boring. It was nil nil. You thought we needed nick a goal here and, and we can win. It was harsh though as well because we're at Selby Park. I think the Commonwealth Games were on at Hamden or something. So it was at Selby Park, and Aberdeen had about forty or fifty thousand people, <laughs> and we had about eight. So it was like it was like an away game for us. It was like we were, it was like we we're playing away from home, which we loved it in Venice. That's we sort of had that mentality of we're always underdogs, so we did enjoy it. But um, I don't know. I think it was it was made for Aberdeen to sort of win the cup that day. How was that journey home? I can't even remember it. I actually can't even remember it. I can <laughs> I can remember the ones we've won. But the one that we lost. I just think the boys had a few few beers on the on the bus on the way back because it was such a long trip home. 
Yeah. And after that, I, I don't think we were too sort of, everyone was down because we got beat, but for Inverness to be in amongst cup finals was good. So to be there and amongst it was good. So we sort of looked at it as if we'll go again next year, we'll, we'll have a few beers together on the bus um, and it was sort of just chilled all the way home. It was, it was, it was a good journey. It wasn't, it wasn't too depressing. And you'd agree to go to Aberdeen after the game anyway? <laughs> uh, it was January you agreed to go to Aberdeen was, like, honestly I'm not just saying this right when you were at Inverness when I, obviously I said you were playing Dundee I thought you were the best left back in the league eh? I actually yeah. thought you were Celtic and Rangers so was there any other interest or was it only ever Aberdeen well that that summer after that cup final Aberdeen tried to buy me I think for I don't know, 250 grand or something um, and Inverness rejected it they wouldn't they seen I think Aberdeen had taken maybe a couple of players and they didn't want to be like a feeder club to Aberdeen. They didn't want to be seen as that. Um, so they said, no, they rejected it. So I sort of knew Aberdeen were, were keen on taking me, which was a good feeling at the time. Um, and then I'd, I'd played the first six months, done well, was enjoying my football under Yogi. And then obviously my contract was out and I could speak to a few clubs and Aberdeen still at that point uh, Derek McInnes was was after me like he was on me all the time once he once he wants a player he'll go all out to, to try and get in it's good it makes you feel makes you feel so good he tried to buy me again in, in the January and because we were doing well in the league Inverness at the time took a bit of a risk and thought we're going well we could achieve more we in the team than, than selling you for the money um, so I was like that's fine Like I'm enjoying my football here I'm in no desperate need to, to leave. If you don't want to sell me, then so be it. And it worked out obviously good that the way that the season finished. Um, but yeah, I spoke to Yogi. Yogi was was fine. He was he was sort of he knew how sort he knew sort of how it worked at Inverness. You would always players were if you do well, you're always going to move on and and try and, and go sort of. Up. It was it was a great club Inverness, but it was a small club, um, and you always wanted to sort of progress up. I had a few sort of offers from, from down south. Um, Birmingham were watching me because my brother was there and I'd played well in the pre-season game. Yeah. So they were oh, watching me. Oh, you say like Rangers were interested? Um, Rangers weren't. Celtics, Celtics were sniffing about. Um, but I think, I actually think I got my agent to, to ask the question and they were like, just now, like, it's, it's a no, like, we're not interested. Um. And I was like, that's fine. Like, I wasn't really, I wasn't pestering to go there. It was, yeah. it was I think Yogi was actually saying about it because he was good friends with John Collins at the time. So I think he was sort of maybe saying to them, like, you need to take him. Like, he's, he's really good. Um, but it didn't happen. And my wife had just had a, a baby in, I think it was February that, yeah, February the 10th. She'll do me in for not remembering the little one's birthday. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we, we had the baby on the way. And we didn't want to move so far away from family with a newborn being still only 23. Um, Aberdeen was the perfect move. So at that point, with the feeling that Derek McInnes, what he was giving me and, and what he was saying, it made me feel wanted. Um, and, and that's where I see myself going. A lot of people thought I was going to go down south and um, play down there. But at the time, I thought Aberdeen's the place that I want to go. And in the end, it was, it was a good move for me. Just to think, obviously, we need to speak about the Scottish Cup final. Need to talk about the semi-final as well. What's your memories? Obviously, the controversial handball. How close are you to that? 
handball. I was right beside it and I thought, oh no. Mm-hmm. I went right away, I thought, oh no. And then whatever the sixth official or whatever it was behind the goal, I thought, well, he's obviously going to see it. And then when, when I think the ball maybe came to me, I can't remember now. And I was thinking, right, he's going to blow up. And then nothing happened. And I just started running with the ball. And I was thinking, how have we got away with that? Like, and then, to be fair, in the end, Celtic were still 1-0 up at the time. Um, it should have been 2-0 by man sent off. And I know that makes a massive difference. And the game's potentially over. But they were still 1-0 up. And they still had a strong team against us. So it wasn't like that brought it back to sort of we were then winning or we we were holding on to a a 1-0 win and there was five minutes to go. There was still a long way to go in the game. Um, And obviously, with the sending off for them, it it changed the game completely. So, um, no, it was good. The the memories of the game, just very good again. It showed how how you play. After that game, as you all get the time, they'd be jumping up and doing the dressing room with the boys. Oh, a oh, million percent, million percent. He loved it. Um, but it showed again in the, the, the winning goal. I think it was, I had a shot come cross um, from the left back that David Raven at right back scored it. Scored too, he did. So I think, that, <clears throat> I think that showed how, and this was against Selwick in a semi-final at Hamden. I know they were down to 10 men, but it still it showed what Yogi Yogi wanted us to go to Celtic Park and play out from the back and pass it round him and keep the ball. That's yeah. what he expected of us. And even in that game, that's what he wanted. Um, yeah, after the game, we were all buzzing. And then going into the final, it was a bit strange because then you were playing Falkirk and they were in the league below and then we were the favourites, which we never used to be. Yeah. So it was a completely different feeling. Yeah, I was just going to say, teams now are only just doing the two full-backs up the pitch. Inverness were doing it five years ago, well, that's the way he wanted to be. He wanted the wingers to, to go into the pockets inside and we had me who just wanted to run up and down all day long um, and he had David Raven who used to do the same. Um, so it used to be, be, it used to work for us. You had Aaron Doran who used to cut in, Marley Watkins get on the ball, play balls to Millie, Billy Mackay. We had a good sort of understanding as a team and I played in that back four with Josh Meekins, uh, Gary Warren and David Raven who we knew each other inside out and um, the whole team just sort of just clicked really we all we all clicked together we all knew what each other wanted and, and yeah it was a good team that Right mate the final what's your memories he's never played as good as the as final Nah I don't think we played great in the game not at all um, we played well in the, the semi against Celtic but in the final it was I don't know we, we maybe sort of were a little bit nervous a little bit tentative um, we went 1-0 up which was crucial I thought because it sort of might sort of ease us off a wee bit um, and I thought we, we were alright we the second half they come in a lot more but up until that I thought right we're comfortable here and then Tremarco obviously getting sent off out of nowhere so I was I think it was our corner got cleared out to him bad touch then he took the boy down and got sent off you expect that from Tremarco so don't you that bad touch <laughs> and then uh, Everything obviously changed from there. And then when they scored, it was like, oh no. Like, and, is Yogi inside at that point? Is Yogi going off his nut or is he still quite calm? No, nah, he was. When you're on the pitch, you don't really realise what's going on at the side, like, unless he's screaming at you individually. But as a footballer, I think in your head at the time, you're thinking, oh no, like, 
the big the big final that we're supposed to win here is going the opposite way, like and then having the players that we did, Marley Watkins running up the pitch, James Vincent who had came on who was fresh as anything, which was ideal. Um and I don't know, it was obviously just meant to be. The ball obviously fell perfectly for him. Um he put it in. We had to defend for our lives. I think I played I played right back at the at the start because David Raven was injured, <clears throat> didn't play the game. So Tomarco came in left back. I played right back. Then I think he moved me to centre mid, and then he moved me to left back again. And I think I finished it right back. So I think the the boys sort of had that mentality of we just need to win here. We need to hold on to the, what we've got, get through it. The final whistle goes, and obviously then after that you're you're absolutely buzzing. Like the relief of it was was mad. It was so good. And then, obviously, being the captain and, and being able to lift it was was a dream come true, and, and it's uh, something that I'll, I'll never ever forget. And what about the bus on the way back? Was it? Oh, did he stop at roundabout? Is that true? Oh, uh, was we stopped everywhere. We, so obviously, we're we're four or five hours from Glasgow with the traffic and everything else. By the time we were going to get home, Saint Venice, everywhere would have been shut. Like so, the 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 party was on the bus. And uh, I think I actually got drug tested after it. So I missed parts of like when the boys all went back in the dressing room, I was in the, the room for the, the testing. It was brutal. That's the one day that the testing should be scrapped, man. Horrendous. So I missed sort of a little bit of it. Um, but then we got on the bus. And I don't think Yogi actually, I don't think he, he had been drinking like previous years to it. I think he was off it. And then obviously winning the Scottish Cup, he was like, I'm on it. Yeah. Um, so he used to come up he used to be sitting at the front I don't think he sat in his seat for more than five minutes he'd come down the bus he loved Aaron Doran he, he loved him Aaron, Aaron was a good character in the dressing room he would just like kick it flying kick him in the in the back <laughs> of the bus and all that um, we used to always stop in Ochterarder we stopped there um, everyone got off the bus Yogi stopped the traffic we're all singing and dancing it was sort of the Yaya Colo sort of that period yeah, so we're yeah. all like yeah yeah everyone was dancing the traffic was all stopped beeping the horn and all that I love that went in, into the pub there um, had a, a load of drinks in there back on the bus we're getting steaming on the bus so we're going up the A9 and Yogi's like that to the driver you're stopping at the next lay-by pull in I'm telling you pull into the lay-by so the driver's like oh, what's going on here so he Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. He pulls into the lay-by. Yogi's like, off the bus. Everyone off the bus. So we all got off the bus. He's like, right, get in a formation. Everyone line up. And groups are four. So we're all steaming. This is on the A9, which is a, one of the most dangerous roads in Scotland. Right, get in the line. When we, when we get back to the stadium, everyone's going to be waiting for us. So we need to prepare our routine. This is what he was saying. So we all got in a line and we were all singing, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, everyone, once we get to a certain point, spread out. And I want James Vincent, the match winner, to come right through the middle. <laughs> so wait, we're on like the main road. There's cars like coming past it. We're actually on the main road. And everyone's singing in that. And Yogi's like, come on. And James Vincent runs through with the Scottish Cup. Honestly, it was, it was so good. And it was better because... That's all we had. We weren't going to go out that. We had a party at the stadium. Everywhere was, was shut by the time we got home, but everybody just went in the one of the suites at, at the stadium there and, and just got steaming. It was oh, it was so good. They're the best days in football. Yeah. They're unbelievable. Though. I was going to say, would that be the best day of your career? One of the best days of your career? That's, that's the best bus journey I've ever had in my life. Ever. It was honestly, no one... Even boys like Liam Polworth, who didn't really like drinking and wasn't really a mad one for getting, was on the booze. Like everyone was steaming. The secretary, we Jim Faulkner, was steaming. Oh, it was mate, it was it was so good. It was so good. Yeah, as a fair fairy tale way to finish it, man. And the mess. Yeah, it was. It was, and and like the few weeks before, we had secured Europe and secured third. I actually think if we didn't have the Scottish Cup. We potentially could have focused on getting second in the league. Aberdeen were decent at the time, but I felt like we were a better team than Aberdeen that year. And I felt like because we had the Scottish Cup as well, it maybe took the focus away a little bit. Um, but third was still, for the for the club to get into Europe was, was unreal. Right, mate, you got Aberdeen. Your old mates are there, Adam Rooney and Johnny Hayes. Uh, does, that, does that make it easier when you walk in, you know, the two guys, especially because they're, they're characters as well? Aye, definitely. Uh, I, I felt like I was. I felt like I'd been at Aberdeen for years. I met up with them, so I had the cup final, which went on longer than um, their season. So they had a week off before me. So the manager gave me an extra week off, and then I met up with them in St Andrews uh, for the little sort of pre-season trip away. Um, and and like you say, Adam Rooney used to torture me. He, honestly, his banter was horrendous. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, so I can't even explain how bad it was. Like, honestly, like he was a five-year-old having banter. But every day would be a nose joke. And it was, honestly, it was, <laughs> it was that way. He was trying to get you to bite. And, I'm, and I never used to give him the bite. But to have that when I went down was good. And Johnny was there. I had Peter Pollitt and Ryan Jack who had played uh, Scotland 21s with um, and Kenny. So I felt like I knew most of the boys. So I'd felt like I'd went, Reynolds is easy to get on with. Jamie Langfield was good at the time when I joined. So it felt like I'd been there for years. And when I went down and, and played with him, I settled no bother and it was it was fine. Kenny McLean told us the chocolate box prank that went wrong. Was that, was that common? Because I've seen videos of boys knocking water over the, 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 the doors with each other. Is it constantly in that dressing room, pranks and that? Kenny McLean done that to me one time. So I used to dish out the, the tickets as the captain for the games, the comps. And uh, they had done that on the top of the door waiting for somebody to walk in. And I walked in and it sort of spilt down on my hands and that. It didn't really get me on. It spilled my hands in the tickets. So I was like, ah, well, well done, lads, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then like, 
an hour later, I was trying to dish the tickets out, and mate, they were all stuck together. And I was like, oh no, oh no, Kenny. I was like, Kenny, what have you done? He's like, aye, I pissed in it. <laughs> it's a pish. Pish, aye. <laughs> I couldn't get the tickets apart. I couldn't. I couldn't feel them apart, mate. They were all stuck together in that. There's all must have been all sorts in that cup. But yeah, the the boys that the chocolate story. I know. I think Kenny's told it already. It's one of the one of the best one of the best you'll ever hear. Oh, you saw there while it was going on. Well, who was it? Who was the guy that got it done to? Ah, it was Wes Burns. So Wes Burns had given. So he had a hamper from his agent, like the agency it was a Harrods hamper or something. Oh, nice! And he left it obviously in his place. And the boys, so Kenny and that took the chocolates out, had it, ate the chocolates. They were brilliant, by the way. Um, then had a shite in it, smeared <laughs> smeared it so it didn't look. Wrapped it back up, wrapped it back in the big box, and it looked brand new. You would never have noticed. Wow. And everyone sort of forgot about it. Like, it sort of, like, it went unnoticed until, like, sort of January, I don't know, when we came back, Jan- mid-January, say. And the boys were sort of on, I think it was on the away game, one on the bus on the way down, and it must have clicked with someone thinking, like, I wonder where that box is. Like, what's he done with it? So then the boys sort of started making jokes with him, like, like, Wes, what, what happened to that hamper? Did it taste like shite or what? Like, Having a laugh, right? So so the boys are like having that banter and Wes is like, What's going on here? Like and he's like, I've given that hamper to my neighbour because they looked after my dogs over Christmas. <laughs> and mate, as soon as he said that, all the boys were like, Oh no. Oh no. Like, we're gonna have to tell him that. So one of them told him and he was like, Nah, please tell me you're joking. Like, <laughs> please tell me you're joking. Like, I've gave it to her. I don't know if she's opened it or not, like I don't know what's went on. So then we said to him, look, you're going to have to text her like, and say to her, like, that Harrods hamper that I, that I gave you, whatever you do, don't eat the cho- don't eat the chocolates. So I think he'd done it. And well, did he go around the bus? Or te- text her on the bus? He texted her, I. He texted her on the bus, like a massive thing. Because he was nervous as well, because it was like, he was like, oh, like, is there anything wrong with this? Like, can she... Like phone the police or that on me, like I've gave her a, a box of shite. <laughs> so he's like, well, she could torture me here or that. So then the boy's like, right, you're gonna have to text her, you're gonna have to text her. So he texts her, basically saying, um, do not open that hamper. Like, I'm I'm so sorry, but the boys thought it was <laughs> the boys thought it was funny to have a shite in the chocolates. <laughs> The boys thought it was funny to have a shite in the in the chocolate, so please don't don't eat it. And to be fair to the, I think it was an older lady. Maybe she messaged she messaged back saying like, "Oh, what are them boys like? I'll throw it in the bin or something." Oh man, it was honestly the best story you'll ever hear, man. Yeah, that could be one of my favourite stories, aren't you? So good. Honestly, there was shite everywhere in our dressing room. Like we, Johnny Hayes, would know that nobody would mess with him because he would he would shite in your gear or something. So nobody used to bother with Johnny. I think Shay Logan before a game went in his safe and there was a bag of shite. No one knows who it was. Honestly, it's it mad. Sorry, Shay Logan's got a safe. <laughs> well, everyone had their safe. Like well, so you, had, safe, right? you had your your peg and you had four places for your boots and one was a safe for your phone and your yeah. Somebody somebody went to the stadium manager, got a key. <laughs> Went in his, I don't know who it was. I've got my suspects, but I don't know who it was. 
and put a shite in his in his locker. So he he's went in when he's came in before a game, and he said, "What is this?" And it was it's a bag of shite. <laughs> Great guy. Honestly, a really good guy. You could wind him up, no bother. Um he was one of these guys that was he he said it how it was, like he was straight up. The yeah. boys used to torture him. Boy he bought he'd buy new trainers that would steal them. Like he <laughs> wouldn't get them back. He, I think somebody I think it was maybe Greg Stewart or someone. He thought it was them. So he he bought a fish from Morrison's or something. Um, put it in Greg's car, and Greg went. Greg went straight to the CCTV, and it was, and it seen him doing it. So he he got done for that. Oh, it, Aberdeen Aberdeen dressing room for pranks and that was was very good. Actually, it was really good. Now, who would you say? Who would it be then? Kenny McLean, Johnny Hayes, or at that point it was them. There was Greg Stewart, Nicky Maynard. Loved it. Loved it. Hey, Maynard, uh, like it. Huh? Oh mate, but they were they were so clued on that you would never like you couldn't prove it was them, but you knew it was them. But like there was there was Maynard one for the shite as well. Nah, not nah, not the shite. That was more like uh, nah, they were not that. They were more like so we had a finalist at Aberdeen, and we had like the spin the wheel. So you'd have like if you wear the wrong kit or use the wrong towels, so they'd be in before training switching all the towels, (laughs) so the boys would use the wrong ones. But then one day I had, so they always used to do it in the morning and I never used to know who it was and I was in charge of the fines so I had to try and find out who it was. And there was a fine on the thing, a hundred quid if you got caught stitching someone. Right. So if you got caught switching the towels, you'd have to pay a hundred quid. So I went to the, the sport analysis guy and I said, look, have you got like a GoPro or something for me and I can try and catch them? He said, well, I've not got a GoPro, but I've got this wee camera that basically records 24 hours. So you'll get to see it. So I was like, nah, I've got like I've got a better idea than that. So then before training, we had a meeting and I uh, said to the lads, like, look, I know there's been people tampering with towels and that. Um, I don't know who it is, but right now in this dressing room, you can either own up to it and pay 100 quid or, and I took out the wee camera, I said, you can pay a hundred pounds for every time you've done it, and I'll see it on this camera, mate. You have never seen boys melt so much in all of your life. Danny Rogers' face went white. He's like, oh, I, I done one. Big, big Carry Arneson, who is the Ice Man from Iceland, no expressions on his face. I, I done one. I think Adam Rooney done one, so he was at. Uh, and then you got Nicky Maynard and Greg Stewart, who were like, "Now nah, you need to show me the evidence. I'm, it, it's not me in that." So they sort of knew there was nothing on it. Uh-huh. Uh, so they were quite good, but stuff like that in Aberdeen was the the fine system and all that was was good. And some laughs with it was was good. Amazing. Would Dale get involved in that as well? He loves all that, didn't he? Um, John Do- uh, John Do- Tony Doherty more than than Dale. Dale was wasn't really. He loved the band and that, but Tony Doherty was more involved in it than anything. Bad one with the gaffer. So I was in charge of the the fine wheel and that. And I had one of the things was you either pay a hundred quid or you do a booby prize, which I made up so I could write anything. Right. So the first one, I'm like, right, I'm going all out here. So nobody does it. They're scared of it. No one will do it. So the first one I wrote, um, pay a hundred pounds or you have to go to the gaffer's office, bollock naked and ask if he wants, ask if he wants a cup of tea. <laughs> but I knew nobody will do that. 
I have to spin the wheel, spin it, booby prize, it's me. I'm like, oh no, I know, I know what's in there. I didn't do it. I was like, I have to pay £100 here. There's no chance I'm doing that. Um, but a few of the other lads landed on the booby prize. Tom Churney, Thomas Churney, the goalie, yeah. hated paying fines, like hated it. Right. So he got two, so he got a booby prize the first time in a draw. Loads of the other boys had got it, but they didn't do it. Shea Logan dyed his hair and his beard. He was like, nah, I'm not doing it. A few of the other lads, you need to shave AFC into your head. Nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> then it came to Tom Churney and it was pay £100 or take 100 ear flicks in a row. You, can, you can't take a break. 100, one after the other. And he, and he done it. He done it. He's like, I'll take that. I'll take that. Mate, his ear was about five times the size of his other ear by the end of it. The boys, so like some of the boys, like one boy would take 10 shots, then the next guy would come in 10. His ear, mate, it was like he had done 15 rounds in UFC. It was mad. What a tight bastard, man. And then, and then he went on the next one and spun it again, booby prize again. So this time he, he would do it. We knew he would do anything. We had just been back from Dubai. So Stevie May had a five Durham note and a 10 Durham note which was the currency in Dubai. So he either had to pay 100 quid or eat both or eat both of these notes in three minutes. Mate, he, he ripped the notes up in about 100 pieces and he just started necking it. He just started necking them. Ate both of the notes in two minutes, 30 seconds or something. Nailed them both. And then like 15 minutes later, he was thinking like, oh, there could be anything on them notes. Like they, they could have, and it was, and he had ate them. Oh, it was mad. Yeah. Oh, mate, that's amazing. I love it. All right, enough hilarity. What about playing-wise? Who, who stood into you straight away? Who was, who was the top players at Aberdeen? Um, we had a good team at Aberdeen. We had a really good team, especially when I first went down. Um, Dell sort of was the one that moved me from left-back to centre-mid. Yogi done it as I was leaving in Vaness now and again but when I went Dell actually said to me when you played against us at Pataudry for, for Inverness you played centre mid and I loved it and I, I see you as playing in, in centre mid which I didn't mind at Aberdeen because when I played left back the times I did play left back it used to frustrate the life out of me because Johnny would be in front of me <laughs> or or it'd be Niall McGinn and neither of them wanted me overlapping because they wanted to just run one so every time they got the ball, I would run the length of the pitch to overlap and they wouldn't give me it. McGinn used to cut inside. So he'd use me as a decoy and cut inside. I, so I used to hate it. So then Dell was the one that, that ended up moving me into centre mid and, and sort of that's where I played after that. And I played in a three with Kenny and Jacko. Um, and that three, the three of us, just we had everything was different. Jacko was sort of the one that we'd play deeper and play the passes and he was always the focal point I'd be more of the runner getting about energy and Kenny had unbelievable ability on the ball passing so it was that three worked so well it was it was it was such a good time to play in that sort of team then you had Johnny McGinn on the wings and Adam Rooney who was the worst footballer but a good footballer as well <laughs> the worst touch what about his touch by the way big rooms his touch he's controlling yeah. his shin didn't he he used to, he used to get Umbro boots sent him in the, in the training ground and that, and he used to be like, "What is going on?" Umbro Boynes, his touch was mad. Eh? But then, but then in a game, I think for Aberdeen, he scored twenty plus goals in about four seasons in a row. Yeah. So it was like you had him, you had Johnny and McGinn on the wings, 
providing Rooney and Rooney was scoring goals off his shoulders his shin pads his umbrella boots <laughs> mate they were going off anything so it was like that team at that time we came up against Brendan I think when Ronnie Dyla was at South we had a, more of a chance but when Brendan Rodgers came in if it wasn't for that team I think that Aberdeen team would have won some sort of silverware yeah you're so close so many times mate I know yeah the Scottish Cup that Rodgers scored in the last minute was the one that's the one that got away from us. Do you mean Dyla was the manager? Would you talk amongst yourselves that you could win the league? Um, not really. We never really... We never... It was hard to think that you were ever going to win the league over Celtic. It was always... Was there, a time that, was there ever a time that... A certain time in the season that you thought, we can do it? When Ronnie Dyla was there, we got we got very close in like the business end of it. I think it was <clears throat> coming in January, February, we, we were close and Celtic weren't firing on all cylinders so we we sort of had a chance um, I don't know how much points we ended up being behind <clears throat> we could have been 8 or 9 or 10 I think it ended up being wider than what we thought but I think that was the time in the league that we could have got as close to challenging as we could yeah. um, and then once Brendan Rodgers came in he, he took over and it was it was near impossible <laughs> what, about, uh, what about leaders in that Aberdeen dressing who would be the players that would stand up and, and talk um, well, Jacko was when I went. Jacko was obviously the captain. Jacko would do his bit. Kenny was a big character in the dressing room. You had me. Johnny was quiet, but if he needed to be, he'd be vocal. Um, that sort of that sort of group of boys, and then Joe Lewis came in, who's is very vocal. Yeah. Um, I can't remember Reynolds. Reynolds was was Reynolds was good because. He was so intelligent that he knew everything, so he was a good guy to sort of have with us. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a good core group of sort of senior boys that all worked well together. See, on Jack, I think, people, I think somebody's told a story on here before that he, he was it Willow Flood or Willow Floody for? Uh, that was before I that was before I was at Aberdeen, but I think they had a scrap at half time or something, and I can understand it, but I know both of them now. And I know what they're like, and I could picture it in my head exactly how it would have went. <laughs> see, when I watched Jack, I played against him obviously when he was at Aberdeen, but <coughs> when I see him play, I never really think that he's that type that's constantly on it, boys. Was he like that at Aberdeen, huh? Um, I when he needed to be, it, it wasn't so much on the pitch he'd be shouting at you, but if you came in at half time and, and we're getting beat or that, he would he would have a right go at the boys, yeah, like shit saying it's not good enough, like we need to be better, blah blah blah. He was good that way. He wasn't so much on the pitch screaming at everyone but um, in the game after games if we got beat he'd be, he, he was competitive yeah. so he'd be raging after the games and you know that's the way he was Yeah, uh, Rangers were back in the league next year <coughs> was the motivation to beat them at second? Yeah I think obviously with Brendan Rodgers doing the invincible season that they had um, it was always tough so I think our fight then came Becoming the, the best of the rest, becoming second, um, was was an achievement for us. And I think, like you say, over the the I think it was twice we done it, finished above them. Um, it was a big achievement for us. It was a a good one. Rangers were back in the league, although they were still sort of establishing establishing themselves in the league. They were still spending money and, and signing players, and they were getting back to to what they were. So. But like I said, the team we had at Aberdeen was was very good, um, and we always felt like we could have finished above them 
when when we had that team we had. So it was that rivalry was intense, wasn't it? All the time, it was it was mad, and you even see it when Jacko then signed for Rangers. How much stick he gets. The rivalry between, even when I'm down in England, it's hard when I'm down here because they they think so bad of the league in Scotland, and I hate it. It annoys yeah. me all the time, but they don't they don't understand the rivalries between Celtic and Rangers and Aberdeen and Rangers. They think it's nothing. The rivalry between the the clubs is is mad. It is mad. Yeah, we cleaned up to a Rangers game. Is that different for every other game? What's that? When I used to go to the, the game. No, so sorry, when you're at Aberdeen as a player, the seasons we were talking about, the week leading up to the Rangers game, was that different to, the, to every other game? Um, well, I think you always knew that if it was at Pataudry, it was always going to be full yeah. and it was always going to be a different atmosphere. Um, and you always wanted to win because the fans used to love it if you won. Um, so you always wanted to do well in those games. And to be fair, when I was there, we we had a good record against Rangers, um, but them games to play in and the build up to them, they were different. They they definitely were. If you were playing Hamilton at home at Aberdeen, you would be expecting to win that. Whereas Rangers coming, you know, is it's going to be a different game. Um, but those were the games that I loved. I loved those games when sort of pressure's on. You need to perform, and there's a, a full crowd. The, the atmosphere is brilliant. They're the games that you want to be involved in in football. And you gave us a few examples earlier, or you were going to give us a few examples. How good is Dale for, for installing that belief in you that you could go and beat these sort of teams? Is that what it's, you expect that? million percent. is motivation, is, is team talks before games, is team talks at halftime, even in, in the build-up in the week, in training, and is man management, like I said. It, it gives you the belief that you, you're going to do it. Um it was always hard because he, he was the same against Celtic, but Celtic were, were a strong team and, and at times we got abused by Celtic. Um, but yeah, he, he gave us that sort of belief and, and that motivation. And, and he wanted to, it was a wee bit like when I was at Inverness and, and that David Human wanted you to change your, your persona of we're not a team that wants to stay in the league, we want to be a top six team. Well, Dell sort of wanted us to be like that. Rangers aren't better than us. We need to think that we're better than them we can win this game like don't go in it with any fear um, and especially for younger lads coming through that hadn't experienced it and boys from England that were coming up and, and hadn't experienced the rivalry um, it was good for them to sort of get a feeling of, of how it was going to be So what was it you said he'd done was it messages from families and stuff like that he would get so he nah, that, was, families? that was in the cup final mate honestly it was <laughs> it was mad so I think it was it's a bad example because so it was the League Cup final, I think it was. Um, and we all came in from the warm-up and there was like an envelope at your place and you would open it. And there's photos on the front of like your, your, your missus, your wife, your kids. And then you're reading the message inside and, and all the boys are like, what is going on here? Like Emotions are high. Like It was mad. And then we went out and we got scudded 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> but even still, to thank you someone like that, mate, but yeah, that's how we used. To, and then one one league cup uh, or one cup final, we had a message from Sir Alex Ferguson on the bus, um, saying, "Oh, good luck, blah blah blah," which was good. They used to think out. They used to think outside the box. Um, and I always thought at Aberdeen, the preparation for games was the highest it could be. Like the staff done the most they could do for you, and then you had to go and do it on the pitch, which was really good. 
And what about uh, what about the flip side to Dell? Has he got that in him? Can he go absolutely off his nut? Aye, definitely. And it was good because even Doc, they they both had sort of they would bounce off each other. One would do it's like good cop, bad cop. One would go mad. The other one would then take over and be the calming sort of influence. Um, that side of it, I thought the the two of them and the the staff at Aberdeen were were good at, at that sort of dealing with. Um, if they had to give you a rocket, then they would um, at half time or that. Would you even get that as a, as a captain? Would you still get that? What? Ah, think, yeah, oh, so. he would come at me. Yeah, if you if he had to, you need to lead them. Like you need to step up and and get the team going. You need to do this. And I always, as a captain, I always wanted that. Yeah, because I always felt like it made me then. I need, I like, I need to step up here. I need to try and motivate my team, or and I always loved that sort of responsibility of of being a captain. Um, but yeah, he, he would he would have a go at you if if you needed to, and um, yeah, like I said, that's that's what his strengths were. That's what he's really good at. Right, mate. Just a wee bit. Obviously, the rivalry with Rangers. Obviously, rivals with Celtic as well. What? Uh, what about players-wise? What battles did you enjoy the most? You and Bruni always gave each other a bit, didn't you? It's the obvious one, isn't it? It's the yeah. obvious one. It went on, so it, it all sort of it all sort of stemmed from the the bad tackle that I done on him. Um, we had to beat them to finish second above Rangers that season, and it was away to Celtic at Celtic Park, and we were one 0 up. Um, and and I put in a horrendous tackle, and I didn't mean it. Like I wasn't purposely going for him, but I put in a bad tackle. I was late. I caught him in the ankle, um, and he he went mental. He was like, "Your legs are getting broken." Like I'm, because <laughs> I'd been called up to the Scotland squad in the oh, summer. Oh. He's like, "I'm coming out of retirement, and I'm going to break your legs in training." Like all that kind of stuff. I love that. Like I don't mind that. Like I quite enjoy it. Um. He, he never ever. I don't think he ever wanted to do it. Like I don't. I think it was all sort of. I'm going to break the lies, but he never was that kind of guy. Yeah. Um. But yeah. He, after that, I think he was he was shouting in the tunnel and all that. I I couldn't hear him. I didn't know. Um. But I think I, I rattled him that, and it went on for a, like in the prep. Well, it didn't help. I'd done Sky Sports after the game, and they obviously asked me about the tackle. Um. And what I meant to say was there was loads of them tackles in the game. Like, Scott Brown had done them. Other players had done them. There was tackles like that in the game. Mine had just been hyped up. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. But in the end, I ended up saying, like, what goes around comes around or something. <laughs> and absolutely, absolutely killed myself. So then, obviously, all the Aberdeen fans were buzzing. South fans were fuming, caning me. And I was like, I didn't really mean to say that, but... It is, what, it is what it is but then the media sort of jumped on that so then for weeks and months after it they would keep it going so when I went away with Scotland and I was doing like press it was all about that tackle I'm like like it was like two three weeks ago like and it just kept going and it, and it was as if they wanted to keep it going until the next game yeah. so as soon as the next game against Selwood came up I'd be on press and that would be the main question like well, what do you think it's going to be like and then in the games and that, to be fair, they used to always give me a bit. Like they pumped us three 0 at, at Pataudry and they they battered us. Like the football and football they were playing was was unreal. Um, and he came up behind me and whispered in my ear, "Do you want to touch the ball, wee man?" <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, 
I was like, I can't even I can't even say anything here. I was like, I'm just gonna have to keep my mouth shut. But it was that sort of it was that sort of way. It was just sort of when they would score, like you'd be buzzing and that, and then when we'd score, I'd be sort of in his ear. Um, but I love that. Like I don't mind that. He he plays the same way as sort of I play. So it's like we were bouncing off of each other. Yeah. Um, and did every they have time a couple goals in the tunnel or Nah, never. Well, after that tackle, that, so the last game of the season, I'd done that tackle, it was a bad tackle, um, and he was raging. And then the start of the new season, all the captains meet at Hamden to do a, a press thing, right? <laughs> so I'm doing, a, I'm doing a photo for the new campaign with my shoulder, my elbow on his shoulder like that. <laughs> like, so he's, he's, and you know what he's like, straight face, like... He, he, he's like straight face nothing and I'm the opposite like I'll have a laugh if he had a laugh with me I would have laughed straight back and, and had a laugh about it yeah. but he was straight face oh, and yeah. I think it was maybe Boydie Chris Boyd or something and I was like oh have you two kissed and made up and that and I was totally laughing and he was, he was straight face so I was like and then I was on his shoulder like looking over his shoulder for the photos and <laughs> oh it was so awkward mate it was, oh, it was so awkward <laughs> oh only but, the man brilliant yeah it was good just on the, the game to say, like, as well, the two cup finals, 2017, how'd you look back on that? Well, like I said, the one that we lost in the last minute to Rogic, that was the one that I felt we, we should have won. Um, we had a couple of chances in the second half. Was it once uh, somebody rolled across? Was it Kenny rolled it behind somebody? Was it? it was, no, it was Johnny. Johnny. I, John, John, I think Carl McGregor was playing left back. Johnny, I think, robbed the ball off him. And it was a counter-attack, basically. We had men over... And Johnny was running, and he all he had to do was square it, and Kenny would have put it in. He put it just behind him, so Kenny was sort of then holding his run, to, and it and it basically broke down. He couldn't get it, and I think that was the moment that if we had scored that, then we sort of shut up shop and tried to defend it out. You don't know what would have happened. They might have came back into it straight away, but I felt like that was the time that we we could have won it, and then obviously got. Beat in the last minute was was devastating, but you see that uh, last minute. Could you actually cry? Like, is it is it that does it hurt you that much? Loads of the boys were crying after the game. Were they? Uh, Ryan Jack, I, I was, and I have normally I'm I am an emotional guy, football wise. My missus will tell you different, but in terms of football, you give everything you've got to try and win it, and when you get done in the last minute, it's devastating. Then you see them lifting the trophy and all that. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a tough one after that game. I think we had been beaten before, like I said, in the League Cup three 0 That you're raging after the game because you've been scalped and you've not put a laid a glove on them. But I think that one was harder because we not we should have won it, but it we could have went we could have went ahead in the game and had a good chance to win it, and then lost it in the last minute. It was it was horrendous. Ash really this as well, and every other Aberdeen player. Is that the one regret that he's never won some because he's lost such a good Aberdeen team? million percent. Like I said, if Brendan Rodgers didn't take over at Celtic, I feel like that Aberdeen team would have won something. It's easy to sit and say that, but the strength of that Aberdeen, Aberdeen team was, even if you look at where players have gone, Jackals at Rangers, Kenny's played in the Premier League, Johnny then signed for Celtic. Um, that team was, was very good. And I always remember the manager, Derek McInnes, saying to me like, I've built up a team to to this point, and basically, the cup final was supposed to be the the end point. We win the the cup, and 
Um, so when then boys started leaving, Jack went to Rangers and then Kenny left the next year. The squad started to break up um, and it was it's always hard to replace these sort of boys and then I ended up leaving and it was hard that Johnny went to Celtic, when Rooney went, so then the, the team basically completely split apart. Um, you but, get all these players that have left, you feel for Delaney because he does get criticised quite a bit and the job that he's done there has been unbelievable. It's such a hard job that he's got and all these boys that have, have went to Aberdeen and moved on is is because of him. He's taken them in, given them the platform and then they've moved on. So it speaks volumes of, of him um, and the staff there and, and people coming through Aberdeen and, and moving on. He would like, obviously, Aberdeen to, to be able to hold on to players. Um, but there's people have careers and, and what they want to do and it, it can all be sort of different. It's, it's hard for Aberdeen to hold on to these boys. And that's on you, mate. What made you decide to leave 2018-19? Just need a new challenge. Or uh, well, financial, financial comes into it as well, mate, doesn't it? Well, I felt at that yeah. point, I've, I always wanted to, to come and play down in England. Everyone does. For what for one reason or the other, England is is a big a big thing for, for players in Scotland. Um, and when I turned it down, when I went to Aberdeen, I felt like the age I was at in Aberdeen, that was my last last chance. Um, I think I was 27 maybe and in my head I was thinking if I don't do it now then I'm not going to do it and to be fair it wasn't a stick on that I was that I was coming I did I did tell the manager I want to go and play in England I want to play in the championship or above um, but the, unrealistic to play in the Premier League the championship was where I wanted to to go um, and I told him that early doors I think it was maybe November or December, I says to him, like, if I get a good opportunity down there, then it's something that I want to do. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I said, I love it here. I love being the captain here. My family are settled here. Um, and it's a good club. So it will take something good to take me away. And I always remember, I think Wigan came in for me in, in January. I don't know if they actually bid in the end, but they, they wanted me anyway. And in my head, I thought they were in the relegation zone. And I thought, if I sign for them now, they could get relegated and I'm in League One. And that's not what I want. Um, and I, I spoke to Dell all the time. Dell was good as well when I was moving. And he, he knew sort of where my head was at. He knew that if it was something good in the championship, then I was going to go. But he always held on to that one chance of, of not having that move and staying with Aberdeen. Because I loved it at Aberdeen. Um, and then obviously Derby came in which is a massive club Frank Lampard was the manager and sort of when I heard that then that was the move that was the move I wanted Is Lampard going to directly or is it through agents? Um, my agent to start with because Max Lowe was on loan from, from Derby yeah. um, and I don't know whether Frank had been watching the games or the, the scouts had been watching the games um, but he, Frank texted my agent and said look we're keeping a close eye on him. Like we've been watching him already. We're very impressed. Like we'll keep an eye on him and, and see what's happening. I think that was in like February or something and nothing really came of it. Um, and I just kept playing away and obviously Dell was on to me about signing a new deal and that. And I was like, look, I'm just going to take my time with it. Like I'm at the age where I don't need to rush it. Like there's no, no panic for me to make any rash decisions. Um, and then I think it was maybe like April or something that Derby came back and, and said, look, we're, we're really keen. Like, we want to do it. Um, and I went down 
I think it was before I was suspended for the cup final, uh, the semi final thing against Motherwell. Um, and Dell had given me a few days off, and he was like, "Why don't you go down and have a look around um, and get a feel for it and, and see if that's what you want?" Because he was in that mind frame of, "I'm not going to hold him back, and if this is what he wants, then so be it." And he was good like that as well. So then I came down to Derby and seen the facilities and, and the stadium and all that, and it's it's like mad. Yeah. The facilities, the training ground is is unbelievable. It's Premier League training ground, um, and yeah, it just it, it excited me, and that's what sort of I always needed something that was was exciting for me to move away from Aberdeen because I was happy there, um, and then obviously came down, seen it, and then spoke to Lampard, and he said, like you're you're my ideal player, like I want to play high intensity, high pressing players that are full of running will hunt the ball down once they get the ball, good on the ball. Everything, everything he was saying to me was what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I said to my agent, like, yeah, like I want to go. Um, and then I can't remember when I told Dell, but Dell sort of knew. He was that kind of guy that he sort of knew what was... I always kept him in the loop. I always told him everything that was going on. He knew every club that was interested in me. He knew every stage I was at. Um and yeah, once once I'd done my deal at Derby, I thought like I just need to keep my head down with Aberdeen, like what I did at Inverness, and try and finish finish my time there as as well as I could. Sad day leaving Aberdeen too. Maybe the last day. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to play the last two games because I played at Kilmarnock and got a horrendous ankle injury, um, and the the physios and that said like your season's over, like you're going to miss the last. I think it was four or five games. And I was like, in my head, I was like, nah, it's not going to be like, I'm not going to have it. I missed the, so it was after the split, I think I missed the Rangers and the Celtic game. Um, and maybe one other, I can't remember who the other team was. And it was the last two games. The last home game was Hearts. And then the last game was away to Hibs. And I knew the last home game that I just wanted to, to play. Like I was like, I just wanted to play. So I went to the gaffer and I said, look, I'm not 100%. Like, I'm not going to be near 100%, but I want to play. I want to play for you. I'll strap my, I'll strap my ankle up. I'll take painkillers. I'll take injections, whatever. I just want to play. And he said, look, that's what I want to hear. Like, you're, you're, you're in. Uh, and I played that game and I was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bad. My ankle was clinging on. I was so bad. Um, but I got through the game. We won 2-1, I think we won, or 1-0. Um, and then, obviously... Got a send off from the the home crowd, which was was ledge. Loved it, um, and then Hibs. I felt a bit better, played a bit better, <laughs> and we won that game. Um, and it was a good way, sort of, just to go out with the, the supporters and, and the club. Just a wee bit about Scotland. Um, you joined up the qualifiers, Kazakhstan, San Marino. When did you know that you'd be playing, making your debut at left back? Can't can't remember the Kazakhstan game, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Would that would that be your least favourite game in your career? I think it was my brother that well my sister actually maybe that was playing. <laughs> um, I love going away with Scotland. I love I love the games. Like I love going abroad and and playing sort of abroad apart from Kazakhstan. Um, but yeah, no, I was I had been in the squads before. My first squad was was uh, Gordon Strachan against Poland and uh, Gibraltar. I think it was. And I was young. I was quite young at the time. I enjoyed that. Um, Any good stories? Any stories? 
Oh mate, my first so my first ever meeting. So I'm I'm so <laughs> nervous. I'm a young lad going into the Scotland squad with all these sort of big names, and I was like, it was only me from I was at Inverness, I think, at the time still. So I knew no one, um, and I went in a meeting the first night. So it was, it was all right. Um, and the boys like, oh, Strachan doesn't like singing and all that, so you won't have to do all that. I'm like buzzing. Yeah. Um, but he had a team meeting, so it was all good. Um, and then after the meeting, he says to Mark McGee, uh, have you got anything for the lads? Have you got anything to say in that? And and McGee, Mark McGee was like, I like Wednesday, like Wednesday. And, and Strachan's like, and he's like, tell the boys about Wednesday. So you know what Strachan's like? He turned around to the boys like, there's going to be a Wednesday this week, boys, on you, Scott. <laughs> and that was it. And that was like, that was my first meeting with him. And to be fair, it made so me feel strange, a little bit. Oh, it was so, he's, and he said it was such a straight face. It was going to be a Wednesday this week, boys. Oh, mate, the boys just pissing what, themselves off. It going to be a Wednesday in the week. Uh, like, it was going to be a Wednesday this week, boys. Like, just being sarcastic. And, uh, to be fair, it was good for me because then the boys were all having a laugh and it was a bit more like, I, I chilled a wee bit more because I knew it was a bit more relaxed. Like, yeah. I was going with Scotland thinking, oh, this is all like professional. Like, you can't have a laugh. Like, it's all serious. And that sort of showed me that the boys are here for a laugh as well as like working hard as well. So, who, uh, who, 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 who was good with you? You say they big names. Who, who, who took you in? Well, when I first went down, Darren Fletcher was there, who was was wow. very good. Um, and sort of he had a similar illness to what I had, and I'd, I don't know, it was like two or three years. I was uh, before that I had it, um, so he chatted away about that and, and chatted away. Um, and I can't remember who I was rooming with. Do you know who I was? I think I was rooming with. I was I was rooming with James Forrest. Oh, um, being a quiet. I was being quiet. Quiet week. Nah, nah, he was. He was. He was top man. He was really good. Um, and it was. It was like it didn't feel awkward at all. Um, until the first night we went for dinner, and he said, "Oh, let's go." And that so I was like, "All right." I didn't know where I was going, so I was following him basically. Chaps on a door. So I'm like, all right. And then he goes into the room. So I'm like, do I go? Do I not? So I walk in. It's Scott Brown, Charlie Mulgrew, and I think Lee Griffiths or something. And then there's me. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the room like, all right, boys. <laughs> like, awkward as so I'm shy when I don't like know anyone in that. Yeah. And that was before I, I had been playing sort of so. But they were all top men. They're all, they're all good guys. Um, but it's just that way when you go away with Scotland, it's so yeah. awkward. Um but yeah, so I roomed with him then, it was it was good. And that was the only squad I went away with was Strachan. Um, and then I went away, I can't remember when next one. I went away with, with Malky Mackay when he had the one game um, when Boydie said I was only in the squad to sell tickets. Are you um, raging that? Are you that? Be honest. Nah. Um, I'm that way where I was like, even if I am, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm fine with um so I went away, but I was I was frustrated because I didn't actually get on in the game, and my all my family were there like watching. Um, so I was a wee bit frustrated um, that I didn't get on. But in terms of what was said, I wasn't really bothered. I was just happy to be there. And then when McLeish came in, I went away more frequently, so I felt more part of the squad, and it was it was good. Right. So the debut. When when are you told that you're playing? Uh, it was the day before. So I didn't I have no idea. Um, is there shape? Is it in shape you find out? 
No, ah, it was. Well, the day before, I think Keenan Tierney was sort of hit or a miss. Um, and then obviously he was a miss at the end. So then we'd done a few bits of shape and I was in the left-back area. So I was thinking there's obviously a reason behind this. And then after training, he sort of said, um, you, I'm going to play your left-back. Like, and I was like, that's fine. Like, I'm not really fussed. Hopefully, I do well. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't. Yeah. I hadn't been playing there for about four, maybe three or four years. Right. Um, and I hadn't done any shape, like in training, building up to it. So I literally went straight into the game at left back, and the defence was, I think Liam Palmer was making his debut, or he had rarely played. Then it was David Bates, Scott McKenna, and me. So it was like the most random back four you'll ever see. Having not worked in training, not worked together, hardly anything. Um, and the night as a whole was just a disaster. Like, I had a, I had the worst game of my life. The team had... Because even if I had a bad game, sometimes the team can carry you. Yeah. The, te- the team had had a bad night. How early on in the game did you know this isn't going right? Well, as soon as the first goal went in, I thought, oh no, <laughs> here we go. Um, and then the the second one went in. And I was like, "This is not going great." And I come off at half time thinking, "Yeah, this is a disaster." And then towards it, after the game, I knew it. Like I knew in my head, and I done the press, and I came out and said, "Look, I know I've had I've had a nightmare. Like I don't care." About, I said, "I don't care about the other other players. Like even though the team didn't play well, I don't care. Like I look at myself." And when I get the opportunity to play for my country and I let the, the team down, I look at myself and I wasn't good enough. So I was like, I didn't think much about it at the time. And then I, I'm not on Twitter or that, so I don't really read anything for the reasons of it's always sort of negative. There's always going to be something negative and you always sort of think of the negative instead of the positive. Mm. So I didn't see anything, but some of the boys, I was rooming with Scott McKenna and I think he had seen stuff. Um, family had sort of said a few bits. So I had seen it and I was just getting slaughtered. <laughs> and I was like, I was in, in my head, I thought, look, I, you need to take it. Like, I've had a beast from yeah. my country. It is what it is. Like, I need to deal with it. I've, I've done it. I'll deal with it. Um, but one guy said that I, I, uh, he didn't know what I offered to football and, and Scottish football in a whole. And I thought, how can you say that? Like, I've, I've lifted the Scottish Cup. Like, I've played played in Scotland. I played for Aberdeen. I was the captain. I was like, that's a bit harsh. And I ended up bumping into, into him at Pataudry. And oh, was that an Aberdeen fan that said that? No, it was a reporter. It was a guy from Clyde FM or something. I didn't know. The, he, he was a Rangers player. And I don't want to slight him. I'm not going to sort of badmouth him in any way. Um, but he slaughtered me in the, in the press and it came out. And he had said basically that, I'm not a fan of him, which, fair enough, people are going to have good opinions and bad opinions. He said, I don't like him as a player anyway, um, and I don't really know what he offers to Scottish football or football in general. And well, I, thought, I thought, that's a bit harsh. And then I done Red TV at Aberdeen and I seen him and I said, Luke, what did you mean by that? Because, and he was like, oh, I didn't say that. Like, it's been taken out of context. I wanted to phone you. He said, I wanted to phone you and that and, and apologise to you and all that. And I said, look, I'm not fussed by it. I can take criticism. But when you say you don't know what I offer to football, then I feel like I've, I've had a good career in Scotland. I felt like it was a bit harsh. And he was like, oh, I understand that. And it was all right. Like, I'm not that, 
I'm not the type of guy that's an angry guy that'll bad mouth him or that. But I just had to say something just for my own sake. Is it see see with Scott when you go away with Scotland, see that intensity of the press, is it is it like nothing you experience at club level? Um it is, it is. But I played I've played in different games for Scotland and that game was was mad because it was in Kazakhstan. I think everything about it was mad. It was in Kazakhstan, it was minus fifteen outside, it was fifteen degrees in the indoor pitch, it was an astroturf pitch, mm. and it was just I don't know, there was just the whole the whole everything about it was just there was something like wrong. Like there was just it was it was a bad night. And that's what I said to myself when, when I came back from it. I knew I obviously wasn't going to play the San Marino game because Andy Robertson was back. And I just said to myself, look, it's a bad night. You're going to have many bad nights in the future. You just have to get on with it and, and put it to the back of your mind and, and just get on with it. Mate, it's good that you've, what you're saying, because if I was you, I'd be making every excuse under the sun. Like you hadn't played left back for four years. I'd have came out and said that, mate. And I felt like I, I've... I was a left back, so it's not like the position was totally unfamiliar with me. I would rather yeah, have had. As you said on, sorry to interrupt you, mate. But as you said on here before, which uh, proves it, is one manager in Terry Butcher wants you to kick the ball on the channel, and one manager at left back in John Hughes wants you to pass the ball inside. So yeah. it's not as easy as just I've played left back for before. Yeah. In my head, I just thought, I've not, even in the build up to the game, I had not been positionally, and I think positionally was the worst thing about it. Yeah. That's where I got caught for the goals. And I thought, well, I've, I've been playing centre mid for the last three or four years and I've not played left back in training either. So your bearings from centre midfield to left back are so different. And I felt like it was just one of those nights and I just thought, Luke, I'll deal with it. I'll take the stick. Two weeks down the line, I could have a brilliant game for Aberdeen and it's gone and you forget about it. So, so Another thing, uh, thing that happens in Scotland is that the easy target always gets picked. That night, as you said, the 11 boys weren't good enough, mate, but it'd be the one that, that hasn't yeah. played a football that gets the criticism. I always think sometimes the media in Scotland can be so harsh on you when, when you fail. Yeah. Um, and when you do fail, they come down on you like a ton of bricks. And that's the way it was that night. It was, it was the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. Ever I felt so bad. Um, just that that's my pride and joy is my football. And yeah. to sort of... Have everyone saying how bad you were? You're like your pride's dented a wee bit. Um, Who helped you at that stage, Graham? Was it was it um, the text after that game? Like like you. Well, Del, Del came out and 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 uh, sort of backed me up in the press, which is always nice. Um, my family, are, but I'm that kind of guy. Like I'm, it is what it is. Like I'll take it on the chin. It it is hard. No one can tell you that you're not going to be affected by the game do you know what I mean you're, yeah. if you're not if you're not affected by a bad performance then you, sh you shouldn't be in football because if it doesn't hurt you then you don't care um, it was horrendous that night I stayed in my room I didn't even go down for food with the boys like I just had to sort of deal with it on my own and then after that like the, the lads and all that there were like we weren't happy as Larry because but the next day, you sort of try and say, look, it's over. Like We need to just forget about it. We've got another game coming up. And everyone sort of just gets back to sort of normal and it's, it was all right. See how you said about the Aberdeen dressing room pranks, Inverness the same. Is it like that away with Scotland or is it a bit more professional? Um, nah, it's, I don't know. I think it's because you don't know everyone sort of inside out. So you don't yeah. know how some boys are going to be. 
Um, and when I used to, to be fair, we used to have a laugh. It was sort of John McGinn, Carl Partison, Ollie McBurney, Ryan Fraser. Um, and it used to be good, good going away and seeing these boys because that's the only time you'd really see them. But in terms of like club, like pranks and all that stuff, it, there was there was none really of that. It was just sort of you'd get the banter with the boys, but it wouldn't be much sort of stories that come from it. How did you find Big Charlie McGrew? <laughs> Some good stories, some very good stories. Oh, I mean, but they're all lies. They're all listen. I wonder they're all lies. These stories, eh? I know that because the best story of all is when. Because obviously David Marshall signed us at Derby, and the story of him and Craig Gordon doing a one four seven on the PlayStation is one of the best I've heard, mate. I love it. I actually love it. Mate, it's just supposedly arms and legs have been added onto that story, mate. Right, that's what he said to me. He said, "Oh, it's half of it's true and half of it's arms and legs." Charlie always says, "Mate, never let a lie get in the way of a good story." Something good. Yeah. And just on the standard there as well, like see Tierney and Robertson, do they stand out? Are they like a level above everyone? Um, yeah, but I think the standard in Scotland is, is very high. Like There's a lot of good players that are there, so it's not only them. It's sort of standard in a whole is different to what I was used to at Aberdeen. Um, the intensity was good. The, the sort of demand on you was, was higher as well um, because the, the calibre of player was, was high. Um, but the, the training there was good. Yeah, you'll get back into the squad for the Euros. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, it's been tough at Derby. I've been in and out, um, and if I'm not playing, then I probably won't be in it. But um, I'm in the mind frame where I've enjoyed it while I've been in it, and now I'm getting older. Um, it's maybe time for sort of younger guys to come through, and so because I'm, I'm not one that plays every week, and I'm sort of I've played in friendlies and I've I played in the Kazakhstan game, but. I've been away so many times and not played and it's it's a bit hard uh, when you've got sort of family at home and all that. Um, I love going away with the, the squad um, and I always would, but um, if I'm not going to be playing all the time, then maybe younger boys would benefit from it more than what I would. Okay. Uh, just back, last bit on Daddy, mate, a bit of a left field question here, but I, I always like when Lewis Morgan was talking about Bex, I would ask, Lamps is the same, like, did you ever go for food and like, a glass of lime with Lamps in it? No, nah, never. I went, I went down. Um, I can't. I was probably suspended again. I'm always. I was always <laughs> suspended at Aberdeen. I went down to watch the playoff game, um, Leeds and Derby. It was the home game, not the away game. Um, oh, I was there needle there as well, wasn't there? There's what? There was like a bit of needle there with that spy gate and all that, wasn't there? Aye, there, al- aye, there always was. Um, yeah. But I went down and watched that game. Um, and it was good. I was viewing houses. I went to view a house on the Sunday. Oh, it was a, I should have known before I'd even started my career at Derby, it was going to be mental. So I went down that, that weekend, said to my missus, like, instead of, because we have to fly into Birmingham, I said, instead of, of uh, getting a taxi, I'll just rent a car from Birmingham Airport so we can go about, see where to live, blah, blah, blah. So she's, my missus is like the, the higher end one. I don't care. So I said to her, I've rented out a wee polo from the airport. It was 20 quid for the weekend, right? You, you, you rented a polo? Aye, a polo, right? So a little polo, a white <laughs> polo. It was 20 quid for the, the whole weekend, right? Um, so I drive it through <laughs> I drive it through the game. So on, <laughs> now, honestly, I get to, I get to Pride Park. Uh, nobody knows who I am. They obviously know I've, they know I've signed... You can't say you're a player like you've got a polo. <laughs> now, honestly, 
and I have to pull up next to Tom Huddleston's Bentley Bentega in my polo, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I was Tom Huddleston, I'd have just done that to you. <laughs> Honestly, and my missus like, we can't go to the game and let's get a taxi. I was like, no way, let's just take the wee polo and then we can go a drive after it. <laughs> and then on the, on the Sunday, so then on the Sunday we went and viewed houses um, and I couldn't find this house. It was behind these gates and there was four houses and I could not find it. And there was a wee lane and my missus was like, oh, it's down that lane. I'm like, nah, it's not down that lane. It's down that lane. I'm like, it's not down that lane. It's down. And that way when you're missing, I'm like, right, right. So I'm fucking in the, in the pool. I'm, I'm straight down this lane, flying down. Not there. It's all old people in their houses and all that. I'm like, I told you, it's not this way. Reverse without having sensors on the polo, <laughs> bang straight into a wall, mate. Straight into a wall. <laughs> uh, old guy's in his garden, so I, I look up to this old guy and he's just in his garden like that. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I get out the car, look at the back. The back of the polo's mangled, mangled. <laughs> so then I drive out the lane and the house is across the road. <laughs> oh yeah. Take the polo back to the airport and had 500 quid of damages. <laughs> <laughs> Should have got a taxi. Should have got a taxi. Yeah. Oh, sensational, man. Unbelievable. That is so good. Uh, so how devastated are you when Lampard leaves and you've not uh, even played again? Well, when I signed and I spoke to him, Abraham was about getting in, training, but nothing, nothing was even mentioned. And then when I signed, then the rumours started coming about and I was like, please no, like, please no. This would sum me up. Like, I make my move down here and the manager moves. And Chelsea was the only club that could have taken him. He wouldn't have went anywhere else. And then that summer obviously came and the rumours heightened and it grew and grew. And then he obviously confirmed that he was going. And I was like, oh, no. Did you speak to like, him? Nah. The only time, once I signed my deal, I never spoke to him again. Oh. Um, and then I went down my first day of pre-season, no manager, like it was the youth, the youth managers, and I was like, "Wow, what's going on?" And then the new manager came in, and a lot of people were asking me, "Like, how'd you feel in that?" And I was, well, I was like, "Well, it's a clean slate for everyone, so everyone's sort of in the same boat as what I am." Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty chilled with it. And then he came in and didn't give me a game, and I was like, "Well, maybe I'm worse than than what I thought." Um, but yeah, you were playing at the end, mate, weren't you? I watched a couple of games. Well, I, it, I start. I couldn't get a game. I, I couldn't. Like, I don't know. I just to start with, I just don't think I caught caught his eye. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a footballing kind of guy. I'm. I'm more high press, get in your face, win the ball back, get the team driving forward. Whereas he, the manager here, likes more possession based. Um, two deep line midfielders that will get on the ball, and which I want to do as well, but I don't think it's as much as my game. Yeah. And at the start, I think he probably thought that. Um, and I couldn't get a game for months and months. I started dropping out of squads, so I wasn't even travelling with the boys. Um, and for me, it was my head was gone. Like I, I actually thought in my head, I signed in this that summer, and the window was only open to go to League One or Scotland. And I thought, like, I might have to get a long move out of here. Yeah, it was that bad. I was, I was not in any. And then I thought, now I'll fight, I'll fight. Like, I know I can play in this team. I, I just need to fight for it. Um, and the weird thing was, so I went and played, we played Barnsley on the Wednesday um, and I was in the stand at Barnsley. My head was gone. I was like, it's it, I'm done. And then 
the next day came in Friday I was playing just randomly he was like you're playing so I was like what like how did I get my head around this uh, and it was looting directly against my brother so me and him and to be fair I, I, I played as well as I could I was man of the match bossed the game like I couldn't have played any better and from then on I played seven or eight in a row my form was good I was enjoying my football it was a new fresh change in the in the championship and then never had an injury in my career split my my hamstring tendon and I, I was out for 12 weeks so I was like what is what is going on here like, Mate, what actually, is... football, like no, you've not only just played before that but you've been the main man in both teams that you've played in and then to go and not even make a squad how tough is that eh? I came in after the Stoke we were playing Stoke away and I trained and all that and the manager here works differently so I trained and all that happy as Larry came in preparing to travel to Stoke the team goes up the travelling squads and I'm like he's missed my name out like what's going on here and then and then you know that way where your body just sinks and I'm like I'm not in the travelling squad what is going on here and then I, I didn't travel that game and I was like wow my head's gone here and then I got in Changed his sort of persona of me and, and he started to like me as a player. Got injured, which was tough. Found it tough when I got back because um, the team were then playing well. Was in and out and then I played my best game against Blackburn. We won 3-0, played really well again. Thought like I can try and kick on from here and then COVID hit and everything went into shutdown. Need to ask you, mate, Wayne Rooney, man. See, when you heard he was coming, how buzzing? Mate, he was in the in the canteen at the training ground. I'm like, like peeking through windows and all that, thinking this wee guy from Aberdeen is a way to be playing with one of the greatest in football. I was thinking it can't be, it cannot be. And then went into the canteen, he was sitting there. I was like, wow. And then it got announced that he was signing. I was like, what is going on? What is he like when you stand next to me? Because I always think top players are like look like monsters. Is he the same? Well, yeah, <laughs> but uh, maybe a bit. Well, let's just say he's not got the physique of Ronaldo. Uh, <laughs> but no, nah, it's it's weird because, like you say, you think these boys are built of different stuff. Yeah. Um, but they're just normal people. He's he's he comes in, he just chats to you like he's a normal guy, um, and he gets the, the banter and like it's it's weird. It's just like he's just one of the normal guys. You forget that he's actually had the career that he's had. Um, and his ability is obviously unbelievable. Has he has he ever done like a particular thing in training? And you just think, nah, like I've never seen that before. That's a different level. Um, it's just, it's just his awareness. Like you can't get the ball off him until he sort of tires a wee bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is what but, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the ball, and that is passing. Some like some of the games I played, like played alongside him. I'm thinking. How does he even see that pass? Like his 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 ability is, and when he was at his prime, he would have been even better. Um, but you, yes. you you did you did play a game, so I watched the game. It was you and him centre mid, wasn't it? Yeah, he said to me, "Oh, you just do the running, and I'll do the passing." I was like, "That suits, that suits me down to a team, big man." <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you get can you get a laugh on the show? All the time, all the time. He would have. He's not. He would have some stories, but he's not. Some of the ones he's told is, like, I'm sitting there saying, like, because all the lads are sort of normal, and, we're, and I'm sitting with the lads, and I'll say, like, oh, when I won the Scottish Cup and that, and then he'll tell a story after when he played with Ronaldo and won the Champions League. I'm like, right, uh, 
That's that's how done me a wee bit there, man. <laughs> what, what does the big man drive into training? What's he got? Has he had a few? Uh, he's got a Range Rover and a Q7. And Napolo? Nah, well, I've got the Golf now, so... Does he batter you? Does he batter you for the Golf? All the boys do. All the boys do, mate. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not bothered. Uh. So what, what's the plan for the future, mate? Stay, what have you got, two years left here? I've got two years left here. I want to just try and play as much as I can here. Um, it's tough. It's, it's been tough and it's going to be tough, but I'm in the mind frame where I'm just getting my head down, play as much as I can. When my time's up here, then I'm obviously hitting 30, 31. Um, Back to Petrodri. I don't know. I want to play down here as long as I can and as long as somebody will take me. Um, you, didn't want not, to go, you didn't want to go and play League 1 and League 2, didn't nah, you? Nah, I, I don't want to go. Leave back to Scuddies like me, mate. I would rather go back to Scotland than, than drop to League 1 and League 2, I think. I enjoy I enjoy playing in Scotland. Um, that's where sort of I enjoyed it. So I, I love it down here. The, the sort of the freshness of only playing a team twice. You go visiting different stadiums ones that you've I've watched on TV West Brom I played at West Brom and you watch them on Match of the Day and all that and now I'm playing there it's like yeah. experiences like like that is why I, I came down here um, so I wanted I wanted to play as much as I can and then obviously after it I'll probably come back to Scotland Graham genuinely loved it what a man love thank it mate you. thank you very much Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Adwanted UK is the provider of single source media data for agencies, media owners, brands and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader, from Adwanted UK.